Cheers. Cheers. I'm Andy. I'm Kana. Welcome to Diplomacy Games. Uh, the game, uh, the podcast where we talk about all things diplomacy and diplomacy related. Yep. Have a drink or two. In a responsible manner, of course. Always, always. Um, so we're recording from Thailand. We're Saudi Krab. Yep. Um, we've been been playing at WDC. Today's episode is all going to be about that. But we, because we've been playing under our real names. Uh, the gig's kind of up. Yeah, we kind of, everybody actually knows who Kana and Ambi are within the face-to-face community. So I think it's probably about time that we do this. Cheers. Cheers. I'm Gavin. I'm Ken. Welcome to Diplomacy Games. The, the place where we talk about all things diplomacy and diplomacy-related topics. Um, so after 120 episodes, this first time we're recording is ourselves. It sure is. So this is episode 121. Correct. And it's about time we covered a WDC. About time. So after seven years of uh, Kana and Ambi, we're putting Kana and Ambi to bed, figuratively speaking. Um, We may um, occasionally slip up because we... (laughs) Because it's so natural. ...such a habitually um, difficult referring to um, Gavin as Ambi for all these years, but... um, if, if I do slip up, forgive me. I'll be going with Gavin from now on as much as I can. And even just before we started recording, just talking to Ken normally, I kind of accidentally called him Kana. So, <laughs> so, it's, so it's that ingrained, <laughs> folks. Um, um, I do kind of expect that with our normal games online, we'll probably end up still keeping our usual uh, personas because that's what everyone does online. But when it comes to the podcast, we'll just be Gavin and Ken now. I'm more than happy to do that. That's um, the, 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 the cat is out, the proverbial cat is out of the bag. Um, and, well, probably in one of the best possible ways for it to occur. So, um, so we just it's, it's not very, me, very, it's, it's... So we just do a very quick overview quick around, overview, around yeah. what we did and before we then get into the interview. And we'll jump straight into the interview. And what an interview it, it will be, folks. I'm sure you'll want to listen, hold on to um, your... Um, Cocktails, ready and waiting for this interview. We, uh, we've had we've had a number of truly stellar interviews, I think, over the years, but this is definitely one of the best, in my opinion. And not just because Gavin is one of the people being interviewed. Um, I had the distinct pleasure of being able to interview uh, two of the top board players at WDC for 2023, um, yourself and, of course, Jamal Blackley who topped the board and um, was crowned champion for uh, the WDC tournament 2023. Um, so for me, it was a it was an honour and I really uh, appreciate it to both of you extending that um, honour to me and allowed me to um, capture both your thoughts, Gavin, and um, particularly being able to pick Jamal's mind as well about what was going on why moves were made where they were, what the perception was on the board from probably the basically the preeminent the the, the eminent game yep. Of, of, yep. Of, of the year. So yep. um, um, we look. should actually just do sorry, you go? 
did you want to talk a bit a little about the overview of the tournament yeah, yeah, in general yeah. and then yes, maybe yes, exactly. we jump to That's the interview. Um, but we probably should just do what we actually normally do which is introduce also the venue that we're currently uh, having a beer at tonight um, and what we're drinking. So, so we're at the Sugarcane One guest house on the River Kwai um, in Kanchanaburi, Thailand. Um, those of you who um, know about World War II would understand that there's a, you know, a significance to this region for some um, nationalities more so than others. Um, having said that, the hospitality is absolutely stunning. Uh, the views are stunning. The weather is stunning. Um, the um, for anyone who's ever wanting to visit this region, um, the Memorial Museum um, was absolutely an amazing, in-depth and very well uh, researched and presented. Um, snippet of history yeah, yeah, yeah. there, um, talking about it. And then we've also uh, been to a, um, a, a special Buddha cave, Wat, uh, Wat Pun, um, down the river on a boat. And uh, today, it's been quite a long day actually, we've caught the actual rail trip line up to Nam, uh, Nan Tak and then so so we went on the on the actual rail itself and then went across to the Erlan Elawan waterfalls which is just a spectacular series of um, cascading waterfalls seven in total um, and you can swim at each of those um, we should probably a, also mention yeah um, go, yep. yeah yeah that because of where we're, we're recording um, the River Kwai is obviously a fully functioning you know, river that's being used by the local population. So occasionally you might hear both in our conversation now and also in the interview with Jamal. Um, um, and yourself. And yourself. Truly, yep. Then we'll, you may occasionally get some background noise of, of, of boats. We've tried, we're doing our best to pause the, uh, the recorder when that happens yeah, because they can be quite noisy at times. Long tail speed boats. So you may notice a little bit of um, stop and start uh, in, in, in the recording. Um, so, and then we've caught a local bus transport back yep. Uh, yep. to to Kanchanaburi. And here at Sugarcane, we're drinking the local beer of uh, Thailand, I think, one of the local beers, which is Leo. Beer Leo, which it's is a, a lager. Lager, um, which hits the pot spot nicely. And of course, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, and um, we've got ice in our beers. So sacrilegious, Absolutely. but there you go. Um, There's also maybe the occasional bit of wind at the moment. I know tonight we're getting a little bit more wind coming through. So we've got the baffler on, so hopefully it's not oh, too distracting. Called? Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> you, you're the, the hairy, furry, mousy thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the dead mouse on the top of the recorder. Yep. Um, do you want to put down the phone there for a second? Yeah, sure. And see if it's picking up any of that and the chatter. I think it's relatively safe. Yeah, it's coming up and down. Yeah, but it's not getting any of that breeze. I can't tell. Well, you, the, the, the well, stop talking. Pretty low. Very little. Okay, now that we've um, set up the recorder so that um, it's protected from the slight breeze from the river as well, um, I think 
Gavin a, a, a brief overview of the tournament is in order at this yep, stage. Yep. Um, would you like to take it away from sure. there? Sure. So there were effectively four main rounds and then what's called a repercharge round. So across the four rounds, every player could play up to four rounds. Most players did. Um, but during the time, because we, we had it, all games uh, except for the repercharge round had three boards running. And due to the number of players, um, we did get to a situation where some players had to occasionally sit out. And the whole point of the repercharge round was if you get to round, round four and you've only played three games, you get this additional round just for those particular players. Get that opportunity to not disadvantage your uh, potential tournament standings. Exactly, exactly. Yep. So, um, and your. I originally thought it was just your top three games, was it? Or was it all of your games got counted with the points? All of the games counted towards points. Okay. So um, we had a game on Thursday night. We had a game on Friday night. We then had two games on Saturday. So Saturday day and then into Saturday evening. Then the morning repercharge round on Sunday. Sunday, Early Sunday morning. With the top board uh, taking centre stage to to a friendly... Um, starting at two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, so what? Um, basically, after all of that, the tournament standings led us with uh, the top board of seven. Um, you did very well, though, Ken. I mean, you came, I think, eleventh or something. So you only just got pipped out of the top ten. I did also walk away with best rusher you did i did and i'm totally wrapped i got a, i got, got a trophy and all and part of my missions today was to actually get to the post office and put that into the post so i'm not lugging it all the way around thailand for the next week very very good so that's now scooting its way slowly to australia three weeks the lady said at the post office so okay not bad not, not bad. bad not bad and um, so whilst you won that, I won the most, what was it? Most fun player? Most fun. Most, most fun to play most with. Most fun to play with award. Most Which fun player to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, um, Which is a good award to have. It's a good it did, award it, to it, have. It didn't, come with a, it didn't come with a trophy though. It didn't come with a trophy, but maybe I'll just kind of, you know, find an old, you know, cricket, cricket trophy from somewhere and have it change engraved. the plaque. <laughs> <laughs> And bring it along <laughs> the next tournament because I think that's what everybody does, don't they? I was actually surprised the number of players. Actually, I'll, I'll tell one thing for, for our listeners. So, I, because I was going over and representing myself under my real name, um, and you know, being not at work for a while, I had a number of people saying, "Oh, what are you doing? Go off to Thailand," and um, and they're like, "Oh, so what are you doing? Going to the beaches? Blah 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 blah." And it's like, "Oh, now I'm going to Bangkok and I'm going to going to a a board game tournament." Compete in a board game. So, and, and because unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand the nature of what we do in the in the playing diplomacy. The best way I described it is like, look, you probably don't know this, and I hate to break it to you, but I'm a bit of a board game nerd. So I'm going over to Thailand to hang out with other board game nerds <laughs> playing this particular well, game. Nerd, nerd's a strong word. People who take this game passionately. Yes, but non, but people that don't understand the game, I think, kind of considers consider. Not just diplomacy players, but board gamers are just different type of people. Well, there's a conversation to be had about board games becoming more accepted. and That's as, true, as actually. A, That's very you true. Know, in the last decade or so, uh, much more so than when I was growing up, for instance. And when, uh, yeah, even my early 20s, it was a strange 
well, less strange. It was, it was a bit of a strange thing to get involved with. But um, and, and we, in we, my time, the only people that played board games were like um, kids, and maybe if you were at university playing Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. That's about it. Which is where you were introduced into diplomacy in the first place. Exactly. Right. Um, now, uh, I think so. Four rounds. Four rounds. Yep. Um, we ended up having a top board of seven. Um, the which were Chris, Peter, well, Peter go, McNamara. Go, you read them. Peter yep. McNamara was uh, France. Uh, Brandon from the Debian Network. Brandon Fogel. Brandon Fogel. Yeah, sorry, I was just, um, was um, was representing England. Well, sorry, there for England. In Germany was Eddie Bassan. Uh, in Russia was Doc. Docs, Anyone who's been on the face-to-face tournament know exactly who we're talking yes, about. Yes, everyone knows Doc. And apologies, Doc. Um, I kind of every, I think I think you've kind of well and truly everybody knows you as Doc. Uh, I think this surname begins with B. Fine. Move on. Anyway, um, we can come back to it later. Um, I was on the board as Turkey. Jamal was on the board as Austria, and Chris Brandt was on the board as Italy. Jamal Blackley. Yep. I said Jamal. Oh, sorry. And, and you, did you mention Peter McNamara? Yes, at the France? start. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, okay, great. All right, which is... Um, and obviously, yeah, Gavin is uh, Turkey. So, um, look, probably the other key part around the actual tournament structure itself was how placements of countries were chosen in the top board, and it's done by the Paris method. Um, Eddie... Did we say Eddie Bersan is Germany? Yes, we did. We did. Okay, so it essentially takes the top uh, the, the top seven players placed during the four games over the course of the tournament, and it um, so the seventh placed player puts their name down on a on on, on a list, or just down on on the board. Yep. And then the sixth which place, was Eddie, which is Eddie Bersan. Yep. Um, then the, the sixth, sixth placed, placed the person tournament. then places their name on the list and they choose whether they want to choose their country before or after yep. that place named. Yep. Um, and then it goes to the fifth placed player who was uh, oh, Jamal. I was six, so I put on, yep. and I wanted to be choosing before Eddie. Yep. And then Jamal uh, was fifth placed and he placed above you. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was... Basically, it went in the order of ranking yeah, standing, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it um, so there was there was no change to preference of choice of board. So, yeah. uh, the first placed player wanted to put their fir- choose the country first. The second placed player wanted to then choose their country. Mm-hmm. The third, and so on down to seven. Yeah. So there was no shuffling um, of the choice order. Uh, as so, countries were chosen. So, you, you yeah. see, basically, you've got to choose the country, the best country you've gone to play as, as other countries were eliminated due to the positioning of the um, the final board tournament, of course. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm saying is that Peter McNamara first. being the first France. to choose, being mm. yep. the, the first, the, the final one to choose where he wanted to choose his country, chose to pick his country first. He yep. could have chosen to pick his country fourth. For yes, yes, or last, but, or whatever. Or last, yep, but he made no choice whatsoever. And the reason... Well, no, he made the choice to yeah, pick and, first. Yeah, and the reason behind all that, though, was whilst you've got a benefit... Let's say, for example, if you love, 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 love playing Italy, okay? 
then, and if you were the first person to pick, then you go, Italy, I want to play Italy. That's great, because obviously you've got a bit of a gameplay for Italy. But, whoever is lowest in the actual, once, once the decision making has been done around who gets to go first, second, etc. like that, you've already worked all that out. Whoever is last on that decision making doesn't really get a, doesn't get a choice. They don't. But the benefit though is that if, if it ends up being, but the benefit though is if it comes down to a, um, to the end of the game and SC counts are tied, and you're part of that tie, you win. Which will be which is in this case a critical uh, distinction. Uh, it, it, that, that, that that affected it, the outcome of the top board. Yes, it did. It did during the during the competition during the the, uh, the top board game. Look, um, I think we spoke. Oh, and finally, I think before we jump to the interview, I think massive shout outs to all of the people in Bangkok for organising what they did. Um, it was a great tournament, um, great venue, Battlefield Bangkok, um, and also. Andrew Goff, mm-hmm. tournament director, hats off to you, mate. That was a, that was a quite a show. So it was, it was um, stellar performance. Yeah. So I'm, I think now is a great time to jump into the interview that I with the winner held uh, earlier today with um, Jamal and who played Austria and Gavin who played Turkey. So um, without further ado. Cheers, and we'll see you on the other side of, uh, of the interview. Hey guys, Ken here, and I have the absolute pleasure to be sitting down with two of the players at WDC's 2023 top board. Not only that, the current world diplomacy champion himself, Jamal Blackley. That's correct. And Gavin. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm locked on listener. <laughs> Long time listener. First, first time first time interviewed. <laughs> we are sitting here at uh, well we are literally on the River Kwai in western Thailand. Well, west of Bangkok and it is what do you think? It's a glorious view. It's a glorious view. You've got the, the lotus pond just behind you. Ken, we've got the mountains in the distance. Um, I'm doing my usual travel thing of making a decision about where I want to travel about an hour before I go there. So saw you guys in the hotel lobby and you were like, we're going here. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do that. <laughs> come here. And we were more than happy for you to come along. And this is what uh, is making this possible to do this right now. Um, the train ride itself was rickety, very, very Southeast Asia. It was. Um, but I'm sure... Oh, should I just say one thing, which is, as, as listeners would know, normally we're in a bar, and obviously that will, you would have heard a lot of stuff already. <clears throat> this is nice and quiet now, but occasionally there's this weird little... It's not a party, but how would you describe it? It's a party stand-up paddleboard conga line. Yeah, exactly. Kind of comes up and down the, the, the river. Yeah. So every about half an hour or so. So um, we, we made a pause. Oh, oh, sorry, we, you, 
can yep. they want oh. to actually pause at that point of time? Yes. So um, you may notice just a little bit of pausing for the astute podcast <laughs> aficionados. Um, but without further ado, I feel, I feel that it would be best really to jump straight into some of the very, very, very many questions that I have about this game as a spectator. And I'm sure many of our listeners will be keen to um, hear both of your takes, especially yours, Jamal. I, I, I don't know what happened in the game. I, I wasn't playing Diplomacy. It was... Uh, I, I, th I thought we were playing Risk and, I don't know, so, something... <laughs> I think I moved some pieces wrong. Well, I guess the first... The very first question I have is country choice. Jamal, tell me. And so our listeners can situate if they haven't yet seen the board... What country did you choose? I chose Austria. Why did you choose Austria? No fucking idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very weird decision. No, all right. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we were picking countries via the Paris method, which is where um, the order of the tournament seeds your choice order. So um, Peter McNamara, who came first in the tournament, got to place the final decision about where in the order he would choose. So um, I think it was Eddie Bassan who came seventh, put his uh, name in there, and then it was Gavin, then it was me, and we, we could go above or below or in the middle, and then Peter gets to do it last. Um, it ended up staying in the same order of the tournament, so Peter picked first, Eddie picked last. Uh, so I picked about fifth, um, and by the time the countries had kind of come around, Peter had chosen France, a uh, big statement piece, um, Brandon had chosen England. Oh, wait, were you surprised they picked France? No. No. It, it, P Peter, he wanted to pick first. He wanted to pick the best country. I think he just went, I'm just going to go go for it from the start. And I think that's, as we'll see, the play that unfolded, that's probably why that happened. But, yeah. yeah. Um, Doc picked Russia. Chris Brand typically picked Italy. Um, and so it comes to me, and I've got Germany, Austria, and Turkey. Now, my... My instinct is to pick Turkey. I, I know that there's the meta of never pick Turkey on a top board. I, I understand that. My my kind of initial reaction is to pick Turkey, but I probably spend more time thinking about this decision than I think about any other of the moves in the game. Because I'm not only trying to balance out who's already picked and who do I maybe want to be next to and who do I maybe want to um, you know, potentially work with and you know, where, where can I sit and, and who can I work with and who, which pairings do I think are going to ally in their kind of positions but I'm also thinking about who's picking after me and right. where am I putting the other players on the board so my pick is going to effectively mean that Gavin's got two choices and then Eddie's just going to get put somewhere and I I think what it comes down to for me is a little bit of a choice about more, probably a little bit more about where do I want to place the players behind me versus where do I want to how do I react to the players in front of me? I have a bit more control over where the players behind me go than in front of me. So I kind of make my Austria pick um, on the hope that Gavin takes Turkey um, because I, I, I had, you know, uh, throughout the tournament, Gavin and I had worked together a few times. I felt like we had a relationship that we could work with. I hadn't worked with Eddie all that much. I, I'm sure I could work with him, but it just it wasn't as easy. So I was kind of hoping Gavin would pick Turkey. 
Um, and and again, if you didn't, I felt like there was enough. Yeah, there was. I still had Chris, still had Doc, I still had Eddie, who I think I could have built a relationship with. Um, and yeah, as Austria, then maybe my German borders. You know, if we if we can get along, maybe my German borders safe mm. a little bit. And yeah, there's a. I don't know. There's there's, there's layers to it. And, and look, and you know, maybe you pick Turkey, and maybe you come at me out of the gate um, with Chris, because I know you work with Chris well. So there's a little bit of a risk there. Sure. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So. Gavin, mm. you followed Jamal. Mm-hmm. You now have a choice between Turkey and the Black Sea. Jamal, I think... Turkey and Germany. Uh, Germany. <laughs> Turkey and the Black Sea. Oh, sorry, we're drinking coffee, so it's, it's no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no uh, it's, bef- it's before 9am, no, there's an excuse. There's, there is no excuse. Um, yeah, you have a choice between Turkey and Germany. And as the player who was voted the most fun to work with in the tournament, what were you thinking? How did you make your decision between Turkey and Germany? Well, okay. Well, first off, I'd actually acknowledge um, I was really chuffed at winning that particular award, and I was even more chuffed with the prize, which was the printer that was used for the actual <laughs> tournament. Uh, Gothi was um, very generous to offer to use the printer to actually print out a plaque that he would then sticky tape onto it. Um, the, the downside was I, because I kind of traveled with uh, carry-on luggage from Australia to Thailand that um, I would then need to, by the way, look at this big fucking, in this, uh, what is that lizard thing? That's awesome, is it? It's an iguana or? a lizard or something. Um, anyway, so it's probably a little bit too big for me to put into my seven kilo carry-on, which would leave, like, leave me about one kilo for clothing. I, I've also had to book checked luggage going back. I'm very upset about that. Yeah, but I probably would actually go and do what you did um, for your your for um, your trophy, Jamal. Yeah. Your, for your yeah. many many and trophies. Your, your, <laughs> yeah. So, so, Steve Steve Litton's a champion. Has taken some trophies back for me. Be good. <laughs> well, that is that's pretty pretty champion. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so sorry. I kind so of why, I digress. Yeah, why? So why did you choose um, the way you did? Yeah. So look, unlike Jamal saying it was probably the the hardest one to work through this was by far the easiest one for me to work through um and it wasn't necessarily what jamal had said where we had had games which had gone well um and the fact that at the same time i've saw his playing style there i've obviously experienced your playing style in various tournaments in melbourne um the playing style similar to mine so that kind of works well and you will know this very well Jamal we have played games where <laughs> we, I've we, stabbed the shit out of you we and have <laughs> how'd they go for you not too good <laughs> but you there was a rivalry there at, a, at one of those poppy cons yeah, yeah, yeah it was the yeah. first poppy con yeah, yeah. Um, but I think look, we used you in one of those as the pawn in the middle you did yeah, yeah. yeah you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's why I remember it yeah. I remember um, so look I, I, I felt Okay, so, so again, let's put that aside. I'll put aside that, but yes, I mean, I knew that I could probably work with Jamal. I felt that there would be a reasonable chance that um, he would assist my broader strategy, which I'll get to a little bit later probably in the interview because we're just talking about the, uh, the beginning of the game. Um, 
but it had more to do with the fact that even though I had played in the qualifying heats and got one of the, it was the equal top Germany, so a 10 supply centre Germany, although the gap was, or something was there, so I, did, I didn't get the top Germany award. Um, I was surrounded, if I chose Germany, I've got Peter McNamara as France. Right. I've got Brandon Fogel as England. Right. I've got Doc Binder as Russia. Right. And I'd played Doc already on a number of games and knew what a threat he was. And I would have Jamal as Austria and Chris as Italy. Now, if I chose that, my southern flank, I feel reasonably confident, will be okay in the short-term game. Um, but that's good. But there's not much extra benefit having that type of alliance between a Germany-Austria in the short term because it naturally happens anyway. You get that natural thing in most games. Yes, you'll get some crazy shit occasionally where Venice will pop into Tyrol or whatever like that. Yeah, the, the, but more yeah. often than not... There's the, a the natural attacks. alliance that kind of happens, at least in the short term. The attack's a 1905 attack, not a 1902 attack. Exactly. And so the benefit of keeping just my southern flank happy, not happy, working with my southern flank, I was probably going to get regardless. So what's the benefit of picking that when I've got all these other players which are just top, top paid players? And I've said to you this... Ken, before when we were off tape, um, I came into this very much feeling the least experienced player by far. Well, your hands down for tournament games are. And <laughs> so I've played three tournaments. Four if you include the one that we were compared in. Compared to everyone else sitting on that board. That is fewer, fewer than everyone else on that board. Yeah, but quite a country mile. So um, I did feel that there were many threats around me and at the end of the day if I picked Turkey I knew Turkey was and you know Turkey is not my normal favorite country by any means at all it's way down the list like most people um, but I felt if I chose Turkey the only challenge I've got then is at least for for a while based on my hope my plan strategy would be just to worry about Russia sure so I thought nah safe bet Turkey, Turkey. And you've also got that natural position um, because you don't have to worry about, you know, your south and your east, which is good from a defensive point of view, but then does limit your expansion. <laughs> well, let, let's get into the very early game. So probably this is, this is a Jamal question, 100%. How are you feeling when... France being played by Peter was being attacked by Brandon, Eddie, and Chris, England, Germany, and Italy, straight off the bat. How were you feeling at this stage in the game, in the early, very early stages? So I think, you know, as you said, it's, it's, it's a risk to pick Austria, right? Austria can get collapsed very quickly. And that's what I don't want to happen, right? My early game is all about going, how do I just get through the first couple of years and establish a position? Um, and probably it's Chris more than the others. I think when England and Germany attack France, I'm like, yep, okay, this is good. I like this. Um, and when Chris goes to Piedmont, I breathe a sigh of relief and go, I have a game. Yeah. Mm. 
right? I'm going, I have a game. And I, 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 I don't even think it's the move. Chris Chris tells me pretty early on that he's going to go to Piedmont, right? Oh. And, then, and then we organize, because yeah, that, that influences whether we're bouncing in Trieste or what I can do with Vienna. And like, there's a few things that depend on that move. So I, I get the information fairly quickly that that's probably happening. Right. Um, and that is just a kind of, okay, I have a game here. Right. If 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 the if the early game is a little bit of a stacks on Peter in France, I feel like as Austria, I can now spend a lot of my time and energy focusing on Turkey and Russia and working that situation and working those relationships, and I feel like I'm in with a shot and I, I'm I'm in with a chance to actually establish a foothold somewhere, um, and so that's great. I I'm, I'm feeling good about that and I'm feeling good about my decision to pick Austria. Um, because yeah, that, that if if France doesn't get attacked early on, that goes belly up pretty quickly. Poten- uh, yeah, not not all the time, but there's a potential for for that to go belly up pretty quickly. Yeah, there definitely has the potential there. Okay, so let's jump forward a couple of years because that dynamic mm. of Italy um, having moved west obviously reduces the amount of um, people you need to negotiate with, mm. um, well, tactically anyway. Uh, oh yeah, D- don't get me wrong. Yes. Strategically, I still very much need to work with the Italian um, to make sure that alliance is good. But yes, tactically, I don't have to think about that later. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's jump forward to the end of 1903. So I want to ask Gavin a question here. It's um, you and Jamal have worked together to put an Turkish army into Sevastopol. Mm-hmm. Right, but Russia playing by dock has blown up Jamal's Austrian army in Ukraine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what sort of my my question's this: What sort of negotiations are you kind of planning to have in 1904 after your 1903 build set? What was clear to me at the time, which to be honest broader picture I was very comfortable and happy with was it was clear that Peter was getting hammered Um, I felt he was actually going to collapse a lot quicker than he did I think Jamal felt that as well and we could see a situation that once Peter's gone you've got a very strong dynamic in building that anti-Peter alliance that's occurred between um, Brandon and Eddie. The and risk Chris. And Chris. So the risk there is they will then both, either two of them or three of them will start swinging to the east. Because of that, There was a, a necessity from my perspective to, to do two things. Um, the first one was because I picked up, I still had a build, I think, from memory, which yeah, was... Yeah, a build, so you picked up a build in Sebastopol. Yeah. Or Stevastopol is the force. I always thought it was Stevastopol. Steve? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, uh, no, but, yeah, yeah, you picked up a build. Yeah, yeah so picked up a build. So build. Yeah. that's when I thought, okay, in case Chris 
join that type of thing. Yeah, because I, I could see that like if Chris pivoted. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I expected I expected Peter would be probably dead by Fall Out Four. I think he died in Fall Out Five. Fall Out Five. Yeah. So he managed to do his you know fantastic Peter tactical jujitsu to keep in the game for as long as he could and tie those other guys up. Um, but more from my point of view, insurance-wise, I then built a fleet in Smyrna, which both gave and just parked it there and didn't do anything with it. It's purely there to signal yeah, to Chris. Yeah, no, no, Chris. this is moving forward. I'm just thinking, yeah, so you built, you end up building a fleet. Yeah, yeah. yeah and this is to... I was getting to the other bit. Okay, yeah. Okay, so that was my, how do I make sure I secure my southern... Sorry, not secure, but at least send a nice message about, hey, I'm just going to let my southern flank sit here for nothing. Which then allowed, at the same time, to and, and Jamal and I did have a conversation around this um, during the game obviously and that was around if there's going to be the situation happening where the West is going to come our way we need to enlist Doc now to act as a bulwark right okay so that was when we started you know, doing strategic planning, you know, and I was talking to Doc about this and Jamal was talking to Doc about this and Jamal and I were talking to each other about this. And the idea being, okay, yep, you've got Ukraine, that's fine. But we need to kind of chill out because these other dudes are going to be coming our way soon. And we need your support in that, um, which meant basically organising it so that I had to... um, not be sorry remove a threat as far as doc was concerned so if i've got an army in sev there's always that possibility that it's going to start moving up into ukraine or moving up to moscow or tapping this or tapping that so by flipping it to a fleet no 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 you're still sitting in the black sea this is builds 1903 right i was thinking ahead okay yeah so you're thinking okay on where you're going to so at this point, you, you all think it's it's enlisting Doc into it. You're afraid of an Italian pivot in 1900. Not just in Italy, but potentially. So the Italy yeah. thing was that was the south, yeah. but in it's more a case of the northern. Once Brandon and Eddie, if they came this way, you know what I mean. Right. Making sure that he's engaged and has units on his so on Russia's western borders rather than Russia's southern borders. Yeah. And we need Russia to be able to do that we need them to counterbalance the western powers coming so yeah and you've got a pretty clear england germany alliance you know we if we are tying up doc's units you know messing around in the south doc doesn't have the ability to move up and push against that um and you know doc's a good player we knew doc would fight to the end and we we had a good position but it was still going to take a slog to make any inroads and so it was I mean, yeah, I would, I would agree with what you said, Gavin. It was, it was better strategically for our alliance that Doc had the freedom to go and do something else. And I was also thinking from the point of view of, let's say Doc goes, does do that, and for one reason or another, if a little bit of friendly dot exchange is needed, mm. um, it wouldn't be too difficult at all for me then to kind of, you know, Sev, Black Sea, Armenia, Sev, and then up into Moscow if I needed to at any point in time. So it was also just setting things up. If I needed to do anything, it wouldn't be too difficult to do so. But it's at least one more set of borders 
so it does still kind of give Doc confidence. But Doc, he kind of got on board, but only for like a brief moment, really, wasn't he? He, he got on board for a second. And, and then, then he was off yeah. board. And then as a result of that, he kept all of his stuff in the South, which meant that Eddie, Eddie and Brandon came straight at him like we said. <laughs> okay, right. So I was, I was going to ask like a structured question around this, but both of you guys have just kind of gone there already and have started just straight away talking about 1904 yeah um gavin you obviously built a fleet in smyrna um jamal you built an army in budapest you've both spoken about the need to flip the uh get a fleet into sebastopol to ease doc's mind as russia um i think you started moving yeah yeah and you've both really started touching I guess on the alliance structure at this time um, so is there anything you'd like to elaborate on what you saw the alliance structure being or is that pretty much is there anything that you need to add to that Jamal yeah so the stru- the alliance structure in 1904 um, this is yeah I I think it's fairly clear on the board what's going on at this point. Um, so, you know, Peter McNamara is still alive, which means that um, the, the way that it's going, it means that people are still needing to to make that fight happen. Um, you know, I, and look, just I, I want to put on the record here, Peter is one of the best players I have ever played with. He is certainly the scariest player I have ever played with. Um, you know, I, I actually work with Peter quite well a lot. Um, so, you know, he's not that kind of, He's not, yeah, it's not scary in a I'm going to, you know, stab you a big way kind of scary. But he's scary in that you work with Peter, you need to make the right moves. If you don't make the right moves, Peter will Peter will punish you for not making the right moves. Um, but if you make the right moves, he's, a, he's an amazing ally. Um, and so Peter's still alive. And there's this sense that I think everyone on the board is scared of him everyone on the board is just you know they know that peter mcnamara has the ability to come back from two centers down and win the top board and that is the most peter mcnamara thing to do and so you know i think there is a consensus about taking him out at least on the western side of the board um which i feel i do feel badly for him about because that's that's a rough way to play a top board of the world championships um and i i I think it is only because of how good he is and how good everybody knows he is. You know, nobody is under any qualms that Peter is, you know, without a doubt in the top two or three players on that board and potentially a clear number one. Um, so there's that going on, and you can kind of see that. Um, I think it's pretty clear that me and Italy have at least an accord. Um, we're, we're doing okay. Um, we're kind of doing separate things. We don't have to be dealing with each other. And I think it's pretty clear that, that Gavin and I are working together in Austria and Turkey. Um, so, look, I, I don't think there's anything major happening in 1904 that isn't clear. I think probably the big one for me in 1904 is that I know I need to slow down. So, you know, right. this, this is a top board and people play balance of power. So I've jumped out to about six or seven pretty quickly by this point. I think I picked up Romania by 1904. And I'm sitting on seven. And... You know, in a hypothetical world, if I suddenly go, cool, I'm in Romania, great, I'm now going to go Serbia to Bulgaria, I'm now going to start to eat Gavin centers, then if I get the, let's say I'm successful in that and I get the jump on Gavin, then that's eight, nine, ten very quickly, and suddenly the rest of the board's going, Uh, going what's happening here? So I know that kind of 
in this scenario in a top board of a world dipcon i need to i need to be in the mix but i need you can't jump out to a, a lead that big that quickly you know and and i think so i'm pretty happy to just let the game move around me at that point i'm pretty happy for us to, to take a slow fight in russia we'll make some progress but we'll take it slowly and let the rest of the board kind of settle into what they're doing a little bit mm-hmm. um rather than trying to jump out to this massive lead really early on and then suddenly have chris putting armies down and i've got to deal with that situation so that colored your reasoning to getting armies into tyrolia bohemia and galicia so that that that's what it was really to that the bit of a put the brakes on the movement on the growth a little bit but still keep a very solid space on the board yeah look at as austria if you want to do well at some point you have to go to the line right so the, the at some point you have to go to the line that kind of borders munich and vienna and that, that whole tyrolia bohemia Silesia kind of line and you know you can you can leave it vacant a long time and let your west sort it out and let your east sort it out and kind of have a bit of a foot race there but eventually that line will be met and i think for me part of the movement there was kind of going how do i not grow too quickly hold my position but also put myself in a position to be on to be the one on that line and to be the one essentially stopping eddie coming on my side of the line if i'm there first then there's a sense that there's a sense with germany there that i'm ne- that they're never going to break through and take vienna right um so in 1905 we also saw a move to Silesia from russia um Talk me through what went on, so that uh, that, that Can pretty I much something happened for a because yeah, let, let's go to yes, you. No, yeah, so so <coughs> you've moved a fleet. You've got a fleet in Sevastopol, so that's eased Doc' mind. Is, is, yeah, in the conversation, in the conversations with Doc, it yeah. was quite clear. In fact, it was blatantly clear from Doc. Um, he's interested, but you know we have to disengage first. Predominantly me. So, the moves in spring of oh, we're in 05. 05. Spring 05, yeah. Sorry. Spring 05 was, yes, I did that thing by moving, putting the, the, the fleet up. I think at the same time you moved and you started trucking your armies off Galicia and things off that way. So, very good signalling there. And that kind of worked because then the next turn in fall, Doc went... Moscow to St. Pete, you know what I mean? So we had that achieve what we were trying to achieve. Yeah, okay. But it's, it's a trade. Okay, no, go but, 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 but I want to just touch on what Jamal was saying about how he was worried about painting a target on his back and switching the balance of power. And that's when I think Jamal was good in coming back to what we had discussed very early in the game, which was, I suppose, our joint broader strategy. And that would be effectively, you know, I'll, you know, sit in the back, particularly if, if it's Russia, um, creating problems, lock all that down. So, you know, we've got a safe place to play, giving him a bit of space to move westwards. And obviously, when you get to a point where he's growing too much to offset that, dot comes my way. But that's also part of my bigger plan. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, so moving your army to Sevastopol, but not moving your fleet, is that your way of sort of just subtly 
telegraphing to Doc, to Jamal that hey, if I always have this, I'm going to always have this option, but I'm choosing not to exercise. Sorry, which one to when? Is this you moved army to Sevastopol, but you kept your fleet in Sevastopol? Oh yes, so, okay, yeah. So that one, or was that a, a trade secret? We're not actually going there. No, no, no. <laughs> I think that was a legit misorder, wasn't that it? That was a legit misorder, and there's so look here's here look, and that was so. I didn't take my time on, on two occasions, or two occasions only. I had made, I'd written down draft orders, and due to some last-minute tactical conversations, they needed to change. That particular order from memory, I think I just rushed into the room. It was, you know, deadline was counting down. There was a little bit of leniency shown by Goffey as the TD, um, but I didn't want to be seen to be, you know, abusing that. Um, and I quickly just wrote down the orders and I didn't double check them. And what I ended up having was I had like, you know, you have your units and I had Army Sev, um, what was it? Fleet Sev. And I must, have just, I must have just crossed something out, but didn't then write what it was meant to do. So I think, I think you ordered Black Sea to Sevastopol, even though there was nothing in the Black Sea and the fleet was already in oh, Sevastopol. That's right, yeah, that's, that's right. what it was, yeah. 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 So, um, and that was what I wrote down very quickly. So basically, long story short, that one was legit fuck up. Um, I did make the occasional intentional fuck up during the games. Um, but that was to try to lull some people into some false senses of security. Um, didn't do it very often because <laughs> then occasionally I would make a real fuck up and you don't want to kind of look like you're then totally incompetent because <laughs> then Jamal's going, oh, yeah, this guy's not fucking good at all. <laughs> Dab. <laughs> so you've got to play the fine line. <laughs> We're halfway through the game. It's full 1905. Peter's gotten all this way and he finally bows out. What are you thinking at this stage, Jamal? I'm thinking, where are they going next? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a big question for me in what fight is going to happen in the West or if a fight is going to happen in the West. There's a lot of options here, right? Chris is deep into France. Um, you know, uh, Brandon is ha has done an excellent job of just you know, coordinating this alliance to take out Peter. Eddie has already started just shuffling a little bit back to Russia. So, I mean, I, you know, the EG might break. Um, I think Brandon was in a better position to stab Eddie if he wanted to then than Eddie was to stab Brandon. So that was an option. Um, Chris could keep walking around the corner and start to, start to form the line with England. Form the line with England. Um, then you know but but also they could very easily all three decide to work together you know they're they're all three excellent players they're, they're excellent diplomats i think um you know i'm also thinking there's a shot here that all three of them decide we've had our fill we've got better growth elsewhere um you know i, I think is it 1905 the term when i go from tarolia to venice and, and and do that one that's 1906 1906 yeah. okay so you, you put yeah so yeah. you put your yeah you, you gave yourself that ability to make that decision between germany and italy really yes. well at when sort of was that predestined like in the sense that you would set yourself up specifically waiting for 
bow out from the elimination of Peter? Um, it wasn't... I don't think I was planning it that far ahead. I, I genuinely was very happy to work with Chris. I didn't particularly want to march that way. Um, but, you know, it's always good to have the option, right? And I think when I'm, when I'm choosing how I attack Germany then you know I've got the option to try and go into Silesia and Bohemia I've got the option to go into Rolia and Bohemia like there's a number of different ways I can attack Germany and so there's a little bit of the me attacking Germany in the way that I did just kept the option live mm. you know it kept it possible um and and the, yeah there's a little bit of a double bluff guessing game here right because if I say going to Bohemia and Silesia instead of Tyrolia and Bohemia Chris feels way more comfortable absolutely right but but again, I'm also kind of a little bit thinking if Chris is too comfortable, he might see the easier dots as Trieste-Vienna rather than as Paris-Brest, which is what I want him to see the easier dots as. Yeah. So kind of shifting it that way and going into Tyrolia, even that move is not inherently a move where I'm pre-planning to march into Venice, but I'm wanting to just have a little bit of pressure on that side of Chris so that when Chris is sitting there and thinking, where do I go with my armies and fleets in France now? He's looking going, oh, there's, it's going to be tough to try and take something off Austria. Oh, look, Paris and Brest are an easier option. Maybe that's the way to go. Right, right, right. Did it also keep Russia on side? I mean, I think any attack on Germany kept Russia on side at that point. Okay. Um, so the, I think that was also a turn. There was a misorder where Russia moved to Silesia. Uh, 1906, actually. Russia moved to Silesia, uh, and I didn't support from Galicia, which I should have, and that was my legitimate misorder there. Um, but yeah, I um, I think there was a, um, I think I think any move on Germany at that point was in keeping with what we had agreed with Docs. That was okay. So you went ahead and went with the old gut, or sort of looked at the board and decided, okay, I'm going to go with Chris, and I'm going to stab Chris, or take Docs from Chris. Mm. Um, in 1906 um, it's by the end of 1906 it's pretty successful I think 1906 it was one I was in Venice um, and then uh, but after that it's pretty it's a pretty clear march down correct me Gavin you're looking at the at the orders is it oh, which one bills, what am I looking at 1906 look, bills in 1906 is that the year that Rome was left vacant to allow Chris to build. I was yes. Okay, so 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 the 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 move on Chris was nineteen oh five. So it started on nine oh five. Okay. Yeah, okay. and then yeah, nineteen oh six. We we kind of get in and we convoy the army across, mm -hmm. and then yeah, and then and then in nineteen oh six, in nineteen oh six. Gavin walks from Naples to Apulia, and I walk from Rome to Naples, and we leave Rome vacant. Yes. Yep. And before I get, I'm going to ask a direct question about leaving Rome vacant. Um, but so the chronology is correct. You began moving on Italy before France had been eliminated. Yeah, it would have been 1904. I would have done that. Yeah. Yeah, but again, the reasoning was the same. The reasoning yeah, was, exact same reason. you know, yeah, which, which centres do I want to get Italy to take? I've, got, I've made this kind of agreement with Doctor Move Against Germany. How do I move against Germany in such a way that, that keeps the pressure and the right spots on the board? So, yeah. There was a lot of speculation amongst us, specu our spectators, 
leaving Rome open. We didn't understand. Could either of you or both of you elaborate? Uh, yeah, I, I can kick off and maybe Gavin can tell everyone where, if and when I lie about things. Um, <laughs> you don't lie very often. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I lie a total of maybe 1% of the time. Um, the, that was deliberate. We, we, had delib- we walked out of Rome deliberately. Um, Cause, I think, yeah, cause I think there had been some commentary yeah. of that, you know, oh, it's, did they realize they did that or yeah. what happened there? No, no, we, we knew that Chris held Rome. We made a trade where I took Naples and you took Greece. That was a swap. Uh, you, we put you into Apulia. Uh, I walked into Naples as a part of that trade. Um, and we left Chris Rome deliberately. Um, why? <laughs> why? When right, I, I generally, the, the way that I play is a very alliance type of play, right? Um, you obviously have to turn on people at certain points. Um, you know, I, I don't like to do it, but you have to when the when the strategy and the tactics force it, right? In that situation, there was a clear I that that was my growth to to go and turn on Italy. I really liked working with Chris, and I, I I didn't want to inherently see him eliminated. Um, I wasn't trying to just gobble up every dot that I could there. And Chris's units were in really good positions. Um, So as soon as I moved on him, I took him aside the next turn and we had a conversation. And the pitch to Chris was, your pieces are exactly where I need them to be, where where, where me and Gavin need them to be. Um, How do we work this out where you can just keep doing what you're doing and you can actually be a really useful part of this alliance and we also end up with a couple of Italian home centres um, and so you know um, we nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that right <laughs> we, we we wanted to give Chris the legitimate opportunity to work with us right, right? so we, we'd taken centres and we'd gone look this is happening but we wanted to genuinely give him a chance to work with us and the pitch was Rome is a fleet factory uh. right Rome is a much better fleet factory than any of the centres closest to the forward line. Closest to the, it's it's four it's two years closer to the forward line than anything we've got. So we said to him, "We'll keep you in Rome. You get to hold it. If you can pick up units and you can build fleets, that is we we, we want this. We, we want to do this. Um, probably the." the moves that we didn't do that probably made Chris decide not to do that was that I think he wanted us to walk our armies out of the Italian mainland. To the north. Yep, he wanted wanted us to move our armies away. Um, That felt like a little too much for me to agree to. I, I think we still wanted to have the option that essentially the minute he doesn't keep to our alliance and you know, does what he does and builds an army in Rome instead of a fleet in Rome, then okay, bang, we're straight back in and all right. So the hypothetical is Gavin moves his army from Rome to Tuscany, not Rome to Apulia. Yeah, but I don't like that because Tuscany is next to Venice and yeah, right. uh, that brings Gavin around around me rather than back on his side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Did you want to talk tactically over the spring 1907 and autumn 1907 boards tactically what you were doing uh, I need to remember what, what I was doing on that okay. <laughs> those 1907 um, boards shit no second we bring up that's right spring 07 yeah 
And sorry, just one last point on the um, on the working with Chris with the Fleet Factory yeah, in Rome one. Yeah. Um, like, absolutely legitimately, had Chris gone with that plan, we would have kept him on and we would have kept him alive. And he, you know, it would have been a very small window of opportunity for him to win the top board, but I think he still would have had one. Um, and yeah, the the only reason we ended up kind of collapsing the Italian home centres was the fact that he built that army. Yeah, that and, army. And the, 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 yeah it was. Yeah, we offered the deal. He didn't take the deal. Fair, fair enough. I, I'm not sure I would take the deal in his position either. Fair um, but yeah, that's the response there. So, sorry, Jamal, the attitude at this point now becomes, uh, okay, deal was made, deal was not held. Well, it wasn't made. He never he never said he was, like, we offered it to him and he chose deal not to take offered, it. Yeah. Deal wasn't taken. Yeah. Okay, these are the moves that occur. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, and to go to 1907, um, oh, this is the this is the conga line, yeah. Um, so I I remember um, hearing in some of the commentary that there was a question about why I went to Trieste and not Venice. Um, so yeah, I in 1907 in spring I do a little conga line shuffle and uh, I, I kind of get a sense Eddie's going to hold his units. Um, there's a, you know, he's being a, starting to be a little bit cagey with Brandon finally after waiting for so long for that to happen yeah, yeah, that there's yeah, a, yeah. finally a little bit of caginess going on there so I'm like okay Eddie's going to hold um, oh that's right I, I ask um, again it's interesting even when Chris builds the army in Rome I give him one more shot okay. and, and that's what this move is right so the, the question that I saw asked was why did you move to Trieste and not to Venice yes. and my answer to that is, even when Chris built the army in Rome, there was still a shot for our offer to work. He right. could have marched up to Tuscany, up to Piedmont, and kind of gone through that way. And so I went, I want to give him every single opportunity to take what I'm offering him. Right. Right. You know, I, you know, I, I thought the deal I, w- I was offering him was fair, and I thought it was good for both of us. Um, and I wanted to give him every single chance to take it. So if I go to Venice, that's not letting him take it because now suddenly I'm back on the Italian yeah I'm suddenly in Venice I'm squeezing him there and and so essentially if I move to Venice and he does take the deal and he goes to Tuscany uh yeah he goes to Tuscany instead of uh Venice um then he's now not trusting me again because hold on I've told him part of this deal is we're not going to push too hard against you we're going to let you move and suddenly I'm back in Venice and where, where, where's the negotiation? Where, 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 where's the position, right? Yep. So I'm moving to Trieste because I know that if he moves back to Venice, I can still take it back anyway, right? Yes. So, okay, it, it it's not losing me. It's losing me some momentum, but it's not losing me a, an actual dot because he can take Venice and then I can just tap Piedmont like I did and, okay, we're, we're back in. Yeah. Um, but I am wanting to give him the shot. I'm wanting to, to put the cards on the table and say... If you want to take this deal, it's here. Um, I think I did ask him to support me into Munich, and he chose not to do that, which is, he said he wasn't going to do that, so okay, that, that one's not a thing. But um, but other than that, yeah, it was, um, although I think I could have got, looking at the board, I could have gotten into Munich, actually, if I, um, if, if, if I'd gone, gone for it, yeah. It. Yes. But, but again, well, but again, if I had gone for Munich, he would have been in Venice, and I wouldn't have had Trieste to cover it, so that actually would have been a worse position, so I'm kind of okay with this. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, that, that, that conga line was, was again quite deliberate and quite deliberate to try and leave the door open for Chris as long as I possibly could uh, knowing that I could slam it back shut the minute I had to yeah 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 does that jive with what's going on tactically with you Gavin where you're walking through your moves for this year as well oh and, and actually 
your side of the story about the walk from from Naples to Apulia. If that's um, if there's anything different that yeah, do you need to clarify there? any element of truth to that? <laughs> no, look, um, that that's pretty much it. Look, the only thing the main thing from my point of view was we were starting to get um, that movement occurring also across the Italian Peninsula. So by then, Jamal moving his fleet in Ionian into Naples, me backfilling into Ionian, that was essential for me in my longer term plan. But yeah, yeah. did you? But generally, well, with everything that Jamal said, yeah, spot on. That was all right. Okay, okay, okay. So Jamal, this is my third tournament, um, fourth if you want to count an online one I did during COVID. Um, so I'm I'm a tournament. New, right so I'm sitting there watching the top board with the other spectators on the ghost board and there was a lot of um, excited whispering amongst each other for the builds in 1907 um, Could you please explain to me what you saw on the board so um, yeah could you just explain to me what you saw happen during this build phase I mean could you explain to me what's exciting about this build phase I see this is the thing I didn't see it myself I'm, I'm that, that, but there was something that yeah, I mean, I, I, 1907. I'm not sure that I see the excitement about winter 1907 either. I mean, I'm building an army in Vienna. Um, I, I guess maybe there's an excitement about where Chris is going to take his dot off. But there's a, there's a question here of, you know, I think if Chris Chris takes off Marseille, uh, if Chris takes off anything other than Marseille, Chris is probably going. All right, I, I'm in on the plan to to take out Brandon. And to start to start to push west, um, maybe that's a question mark there. But yeah, I to me this is a pretty standard build year. Um, building in Vienna, I'm not you know if I build in Budapest, maybe that's a question of am I going to turn on Gavin? And, and maybe maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe the the question is is this my time to turn on Gavin? Because right, if I build in Budapest and not Vienna, this is a whole different scenario. Um, if I if I do that. I mean, yes, I'm potentially risking Chris walking into Vienna, but then suddenly Romania is in Bulgaria and Budapest is in Serbia or Romania, and suddenly the it, the stab on Gavin is on if I'm building in Budapest. So yeah, if, if I build in Budapest, maybe the stab on Gavin is on. I, but I, I also think maybe the excitement is just that it's getting to the pointy end, right? Like we know this game is finishing in 1909, so we know that the knives are coming out about now right like right. maybe it's this year maybe it's next year so, but I think maybe there's a tension building because this this game is pretty evenly poised right I'm I'm on eight three others are on well, England's on seven Germany's on seven Gavin's on six with a real red hot crack at nine and ten in a very short space of time if he decides to stab me so like there's yeah there's it, this is just brilliantly evenly poised and I, I wonder whether just the excitement is like Oh, this is this is Where tight. Is this going? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because at this point, it's looking like Turkey was, you know, getting getting ready to pull out the knives against you there, Jamal. 
Yep. And is, is, is that what you were thinking at this stage, Gavin? Um, I've been thinking for a long while. This was, <laughs> we're going to probably talk about it now, but once I had a good solid player I could work with, with the view that, as we said before, I'd kind of hold a certain line, that player would then kind of take the fight further afield, draw in their units, and where I'd kind of parked certain things, and when you get to the spring 08 moves, which we'll probably just do now, from my perspective, that's when I moved Armenia to Sev, Sev to Black Sea, Con to Bulgaria. Um, and I'm shitting my pants. I, yes, yes, yes. So the idea and, and 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 Jamal did a awesome job of second guessing an aspect of that by moving Trieste into Serbia um, so from that point of view that was a little bit disappointing from my viewpoint because I was hoping to be able to quickly capture in short time obviously Romania and Serbia because I was going to be moving uh, convoying uh, Apulia over to Albania in, in the in the fall um, which would have flipped the count from the tour, so I'd then be on eight and you'd then be on six. It was more a bet at that time that um, England and Germany wouldn't be able to break through anywhere else, which would get it to a situation where I would be ahead by one. That was my plan, but then my plan had to change quite dramatically. Well, and also just on your plan, I just want to hold one second on how good that plan was is because on the Paris method, you win every tie except for against Eddie. Yep. Right? So you don't even need to be ahead by one. You no, just need right. to be even. That's like cream. Yeah, right? So like, so I think that, <laughs> right. that, that that plan is particularly good for you and particularly good when I'm your ally because we can even draw. You can come to me and say, hey, look, we'll finish on the same or dangle, you think, maybe I, can, maybe I think I can sneak one more on you, but I've got to get one up on you in order to win so that's a particularly good position for you to be in there because yeah you you on the draw system you are winning pretty much every time yeah right i was not aware of that so that's how okay so that's why there was okay a lot of speculation about this year right what was your perspective at the end of spring 1908 at the end of spring 1908 I was I think there was, there was a few there was a lot of things going on at the same time for me in my head emotionally that you know, spring 1908 was the year that this game broke open uh, and it broke in a few different ways um, you know I I love playing diplomacy in a certain way. I think I, I've got a particular approach that I take to diplomacy, um, and I have the most fun when everyone takes a kind of similar approach. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was... I saw unfolding on the board, I guess, a, a different set of decisions and, and a different way of trying to finish the game. Um, so there was part of me that was disappointed and there was part of me that, you know, and, and, and to be abundantly clear, um, 
you know, I, I, I yeah, yeah. I, I, I will be direct rather than kind of be obtuse about this. Um, I saw in spring 1908, and this was partially on the board, and this was partially in the room, and it's partially things that were said, and things that were declared kind of quite openly, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, um, I saw Eddie Bassan make his best attempt at throwing all of his dots to Brandon Fogel. Um, and that was disappointing for me to see. Um, I have zero, zero negative feelings or qualms towards Brandon about that. Um, if I'm in Brandon's situations, I do exactly what he did. I take that deal every day of the week. Um, I potentially push for that deal at some, some days of the week. I, I, I totally get that. I do not think Brandon has any fault whatsoever in what went down then. Um, I have the deepest respect for Brandon. I think I said to Brandon at the start of the game, if it's not me, I want it to be you. And I, I, I think that that's true. I, I absolutely, sorry, Gavin. Yeah. I, I, I think that's true. I, I think that... Um, <laughs> well, he, he deserved to win yeah. more than me. Yeah. You look I, at his career. Yeah, so, up, so, so. From, from a big kind of meta perspective, I Brandon was actually my, my pick um, if it wasn't going to be me. Right. Um, and so, you know, when Eddie makes that choice and that that's a choice, this diplomacy, we all make choices. And, you know, I, I'm sure there are lots of reasons why he made that choice. I, I don't want to speculate on, you know, whether or not that was the correct or not correct choice. It's not the choice that I would have made. Um, but, you know, you, you have to respect people's abilities to make whatever choices they want in this game. Yes. Um, I was slightly disappointed at that choice because it it was very clear to me that the game was going to go down and finish in a way that was very different to how I would like to have it finish. Right. Um, but you know what? I also went okay. Yeah, th- this is this is what's happening. Um, and you know, I very quickly had to pivot to if this is what's happening, how do I respond to this? Right. How do I respond to this? You know. It was it was clear to me that there was a a different game was on now. This 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 was no longer the same game of diplomacy that was up until this point. I I honestly think that if you t- look at the winter nineteen oh seven, that to me is a fair representation of the whole tournament up to that point. And Eddie had proposed a draw vote at one stage. He did. He proposed a draw I think the year earlier when we were all on seven. Um, and he would have won by Paris Method Countback, and uh, yeah, I think that was voted down. Right. Yeah. Gavin, how did Jamal communicate this to you? Um, see, I was in a, in, a, in a funny situation because I was in the zone of, gearing right, I'm stab. gearing up for the stab. And once it was obvious by looking at what Eddie had done on the board, um, that just changed my whole thinking because there goes my opportunity now to win that I've been working on. I'd spent all game having a great alliance partner. I'm an alliance player like Jamal. Um, I'm not, I'm sorry, at no point of time um, am I going to be, say, yeah, okay, I'm allied with him so and he's in the lead so he's automatically going to win. Um, it came down to playing the game. So you always want to win the game and that's what it came there to do but once that opportunity went and those dots were being thrown I felt at that point I'm not going to win this and the only way that I can look at a broader view around 
the hobby, what the hobby means to me and I think to many other people. It was essential that, sorry, there's the old saying, two wrongs don't make a right, okay? So someone throwing dots doesn't mean that I should automatically throw dots, but I felt on balance that wasn't the way for Brandon to win the championship. I would be absolutely over the moon and ecstatic for Brandon if he won fair and square, and I think he was he, he, very much on track to achieving that. And he will. He, he, Brandon, he will. Brandon, he I'm, will. I'm calling it now, Brandon Fogel will, will win a world championship within the next five years. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, at that point in time, it's like, well, I don't want... I, I wouldn't like to see the championship being decided that way, and if it has to go that way, then I'm just not that I'm prepared to get down into the in, you know down to that perspective. But I was no, I'm 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 going to be pulling back, and I'm just going to throw everything to my little southeast corner, tactically work out what we needed to do with Jamal so that he had a fair ch- fighting chance because I no longer had a fair ch- fighting chance, and I felt being a good ally. And what was actually occurring that was far better for the game and the hobby as a whole you'd spent the entire game building up to this point where you could stab Jamal I was so fucking patient <laughs> <laughs> you you are and, and look honestly I think you had it um I actually and this is a tough position right because again like I I, I think I do the exact same thing that Brandon does in this exact same situation if I'm him but I actually think had Eddie, I think Eddie actually cost, I, I think Eddie's decision actually hurt Brandon's chances. I don't want to say it cost him it, it because I, I think there, were, there was still play, but I, I actually think if Eddie doesn't start throwing dots, then what happens is Brandon stabs Eddie um, kind of a little more cleanly as in like there's, there's you know it, it's a stab stab rather yeah. than a thrown yeah, stab yeah. um fair and square stab and you're probably stabbing me in the exact same turn exactly. and then it is a race between you and brandon mm-hmm. right and i no yeah. offense to you gavin i think brandon wins that race i i think that's probably likely as well um, and again, that would be a great game, and it'd be a great outcome. Well, for the game. no, Brandon wins that race unless I throw to you, which is yes. not which is not happening. No, right. I, 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 I right. couldn't so, see yes. that happening. So, so no, no point would you have considered. No, you doing get the that. shits. Yeah. Well, right. well, no, I I don't get the shits. I no, I, I, I say fair play, and I try my yeah. best to hold on to whatever I can hold on to. Right. But yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I think the the decision that Eddie made was actually negative for Brandon's chances at winning. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think Brandon was in the best position going into that year, potentially. Right. Do you think, Jamal, that Eddie could have thrown units? If he wanted to be, okay, he decided to throw, do you think he would have been more successful in doing that in 09? Maybe it's a toss-up because I think... So strategically, yes. Strategically, he actually needed to wait for Gavin's stab to happen to me, right? I, I think he needs to just bait Gavin into doing the stab on me first, and then it doesn't matter. I think the reason for doing it then is that you get some extra units, or you get some extra dots. Um, you, you start throwing a year later, and you're a couple of... You're a year behind positionally where you need on to pick up Berlin and... 
I think I, 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 I yeah, we'll get to this, but I, I was um, all over the place at the end of the game. I, I can't exactly remember what, what the actual tactics are, but you, you're a year behind where you need to be in order to make this clean, uh, to make this as big as possible, right? If you if, if the aim is to give Brandon as many dots as you can, um, you doing it when you do is the way to do that. The difference is if he waits, then Gavin stabs me, and it's strategically better. You don't need as many dots once Gavin stabbed me. Right. Right. So w w one, once, once, once Gavin has slipped into Romania, kind of dicked me around in Greece, whatever else he's doing here. Serbia. Serbia. Yeah. Um, then the, yeah, then, then that whole situation changes and I'm pulling back to defend that and Brandon doesn't need 14 dots. He probably only needs 10 in that situation. So I, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a tactical reason to do it then. There's a strategic reason to not. Right, okay, okay. So it's 1909. Turkey's made the decision to do... Gavin, you've made the decision to do what you've done. Mm -hmm. But it still could go either way. in the sense that it's now a race. Yep. Top board, it's... Every move has to be correct throughout the entirety of this year, Jamal. And every move was not correct throughout the entirety of that year. It's pretty good, I, though. It's close, not quite. Personally, I think my mental focus at this point would just be about as useful as a as a as a as a shit in a hat and a crap in a cup. Emotionally I would be a train wreck. You looked calm and talk me through it. You're the champion last game year. So <laughs> yeah nineteen oh nine. I I think the first thing to I, the best way I can paint this picture is by making it abundantly clear I didn't have the count. So the, the, there's, a, there's a term in, in card counting where you have the count. You, you know what the deck is, you know what the count is up to, right. um, and you have a sent, you know, you, you, you're making your decisions based on the information you know and you know what decisions have to be made. Right. I did not have the count. I didn't know how many centres I was on. I didn't know how many centres Brandon was on. I, mean, I knew we were on nine from the previous year, yes. but I didn't know exactly how many I was picking up. I didn't know exactly how many Brandon was picking up. Right. I didn't know how many I needed. I All I knew was I needed to get as many as possible, but I didn't have in my head the count of what I had to do to make it. Okay. So I'm sitting there not knowing. And I honestly do not know until the final center count is done. Like, like I, I, I actually, I don't know the final count until Goffey reads out and Austria is on 14. I, I just, sorry, I was just going to say, I totally understand why that happened as well. It's hard if you're, just, if you're not playing the, that, that particular top board at that particular point of time. Just the intensity mm. of what is going on I won't say you're, you're you're a train wreck, but it's really hard to maintain focus. Yeah, and I think that's 
and, and, and to maintain calm as you kind of said you, it's, it's hard to be able to do that in that circumstance so yeah. I think whilst you kind of beat yourself up about that it was you were still far more you you may have kind of well, not being able to kind of you know, keep the count but well and this is it but I, I think this maybe goes a little bit to my kind of philosophy of the game though is I also I think if I had the count I would have I maybe so I, I made a tactical error there was a long convoy I should have done which I saw half an hour after the game was finished but um <sighs> but I, I didn't but like you know, come see come sir um so I made a tactical error because I didn't have the count um I also, in full 1909, went to Andrew Goff and I said, as the tournament director, Andrew, can you please tell me who owns Constantinople and who owns Ankara? Because I had lost that. I didn't even know who owned which centres. Like, because I was like, well, I'm like, do I own Constantinople or not? If I own Constantinople, I do this. If I don't, I do that. I, I, I don't know who owns what. And, like, I, I, I was all over the place. But I think, and you're absolutely right, the pressure is there, the intensity is there. I'm obviously feeling it. I've lost my mind. The clock's counting. The clock's counting. But I think maybe what you perceived as calmness was actually me having confidence in my my approach to the game and my philosophy of the game where having the count was not the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Sitting there and working out exactly where each piece had to move to get to every single spot to do every single little thing... Like, I was on autopilot this whole year, by the way. This is not a, something I'm sitting there and thinking through at the time. This is just how I play the game, and it was just automatically how I went to do it. But I think reflecting back on it, what I was doing then was going, that's not what you have to focus on. Right. What I have to focus on is working with Gavin and yeah. making sure that his moves are correct because his moves are way yeah. more important than making mine. Making sure the tactics were right. You know, the, the, the support order into Sevastopol is critically important. Um, I, I want to get to this later, but the, the support order from Rome to Tunis is the world championship making or breaking move. It's not a move that I make. It's a move that Gavin makes, so I need to make sure I'm working with him. And honestly, I need to make sure that Gavin, you know, as, as, as we said before, th this game is not going down how anybody really, anybody wanted, really to wanted it at to. All. Yeah. And I need to honestly make sure that Gavin is at least comfortable with how this game is ending, right? And I also need to make my final desperate last pitch to Chris, yes. right? Like, I, I, I you know, I, I, I see something, I go, oh, you can convoy me to Tunis. I've got to at least show him that and go, would you like to do that? Um, he doesn't tell me, by the way. I, I actually don't know he's doing that until the order is read out. So um, I, I he does not tell me beforehand whether he's doing it or not. And I go, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to order it and he can choose whether or not to do it or not. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I, think, I think your perception of my calm in that situation is probably, I think, just comes back to my philosophy and comes back to how I approach the game, which is just, you know trying to block out the noise and trying to block out the stuff that doesn't matter and trying to just focus on the stuff that does matter and trying to just be present and right. be in the moment and just be, you know, I take it back to my Buddhist practice or whatever else. It's just about just going, this is the situation I'm in. It's not in 20 minutes time when I am or I'm not world champion. It's not um, what it was two years ago when I should have made this move instead of this move. This is the situ situation I'm in. How do I be in this situation as much as possible? Here I am. Yeah. I felt 
Okay, so there were certain things that, that was, this is going to sound really bizarre for a lot of people, but there were a lot of things with the way that we came in and approached the game, I think that were actually influenced by factors well and truly outside the game. And I think, for example, your personal spirituality and how you kind of view life is then reflected in how you view the game. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to bring my spirituality to every aspect of my life, so yes. And listen to sorry. a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar, Christian Buddhist bar, one word uh, on any of your podcast apps, please. There we go. There we go. So if you kind of enjoyed this interview, you know where to go get more of Jamal. Um, but what I was getting at was you had that perspective. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic. Um, I made the 45-minute train ride to an English mass and it was really centering for me going into game day. And on the flip side of that, I had discovered... So my first day I rocked up at the tournament, I looked up the local temple and went there and kind of was like, I need to know where this is and I need to know how to get here. I need to know where I, need, where I can meditate here um, because it's going to be important over the, at some point over the next four days. And it just so happened that that temple has the largest Jade Buddha in the world in it. Um, I the morning of the final board I sat and meditated for an hour at the Jade Buddha you know I, I tried to, to do that myself I, I, again and, and, and you know this is just I think I think you're right I think this just reflects who we are as people the fact that we kind of just happen to both do that like that's the way we prepare for a top yeah. board um, and then like I, I didn't find that out until afterwards right it's like oh well, we've done the same thing right yeah. yeah and and much the same way is probably how you approached your meditation um, I I prayed and I spent a fair amount of time praying I didn't pray and say God I want to win I actually said I want this game to be something that reflects what you want and I think the outcome was achieved by that that and of course the other two things the other thing that we did the same was that we both got foot massages Yes, that's true. We did again. I, uh, we, we're probably just uh, you know, the same. Which really does help. <laughs> really did. Yeah. I, you know, I, you know, I only got a foot massage because the Thai massage wasn't available. I'm glad I got the foot massage, not yeah. the Thai massage. I, did, I don't know what difference it would have made, but there's something in it. Yeah, well, there's a reason athletes kind of you know limber up and everything like that. It really kind of gets you working. Anyway. Before and sorry, and, 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 uh, sorry, I was just going to say, um, long-term <laughs> listeners to the podcast will know. I swear, I drink. I'm not pra- not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you throw centers. I do throw centers occasionally. You know, well, for one particular top board in particular. Okay. Before we move into the wrap up, Jamal, there was a move that you wanted to talk about around Tunis. You said just a bit earlier that. The convoy to Tunis. Convoy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm um, look. I mean, and this may be this. This is a good way to lead into the wrap up because I I think I wanted. I just want to finish this interview by giving absolute credit to every single other player on that board. So and 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 I want to take the time to go through them individually and why I want to give them all credit. Please do. Um, we started with Peter McNamara. Peter McNamara, as I said at the start, is very likely the scariest diplomacy player that has ever played diplomacy. In how good he is, I have so much respect so much respect for Peter I have learnt so much from Peter there are so many mistakes that I do not make because of Peter um, and 
you know, that's a rough way to go down on a top board. But, you know, that I, I, I think Peter... I think Peter... Peter will also win a world championship very, very soon. And, you know, he is just... That only happens to Peter. That only happens because of how good he is. And, you know, I, I feel for him. Um, and, you know, but, you know, he... He is, he's the Mac and he will, he'll be back. Um, Doc Binder was, he's just the most genuinely good human being. And I said to Doc, if it was literally anybody other than Gavin in Turkey, I'm with Russia that whole way and we are just eating Turkey up and that's, that's the game. Um, so it's only because of the very specific relationship that I could build with you Gavin that any doc is the only other choice in that situation if it's if it's Eddie there it's doc for me if it's um you know Eddie was the other option but honestly if it's any other player if it's if it's Brandon if it's Peter if it's Chris if it's Hunter who sneaks into top board instead of Eddie it, it, it's I'm with doc there um so doc is amazing uh, I love doc dearly um, Eddie Bassan is a legend of the hobby. Uh, he has done so much for diplomacy. I have so much respect for him. Um, you know, we have different philosophies and approaches to the game, but you know what? Everything is valid and everything is legitimate. And, and, and Eddie played played his heart out and played the best he could possibly play. Um, Brandon is... Brandon's honestly one of my heroes of this tournament. I mean, so, so just to be clear, Brandon won the tournament standings. Uh, Brandon got the most points across all games in the tournament. Um, he beat the shit out of me on that one. Um, and Brandon deserves that. And potentially Brandon deserved to win this top board. I, th I think I think Brandon did deserve to win this top board. I think I, th I think that was probably how the game should have gone down. And I would have been genuinely happy to have, to have seen Brandon crown the world champion. Um, and I have so much respect for him as a player. He is probably the best player to have not won a world championship. Um, I have so much respect for him and what he does with DBN. Um, I again, big shout out to DBN. Your coverage is amazing. Love everything you do. Um, yeah, just in awe of all the work that goes in there and, and how much that grows the hobby. But Brandon, but Brandon is just—he's a living—he's a living legend of the game, and he's one of those like he's one of those people you put into a hall of fame, like when they're. 35 years old and it's just like you know <laughs> yeah this is amazing right like I just I have he'd so actually have like a really good bust too I would, think yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I no, I have so 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 much respect for him um, and yeah I um, you know I'm, I'm not going to reach out to him for a few weeks because I I think I think I should I should you know give him some time but um but yeah I, I he's he's a I, I hope he will become a dear dear friend of mine um which brings me to the convoy to Tunis and Chris Brand because that to me, I, I have I haven't gone back and tracked through it, but that to me is Chris Brand being Chris Brand, which is creating poetry. Right. Right. Chris was one of those people. I, again, I partially picked Austria so I could work with Chris. I really love Chris as a human being, but I love him as a diplomacy player. I've learned a heap from him over this past week. I. I, I work with him really well. I, I really enjoy Chris Brand in every single aspect of it. And that move where so Chris Brand didn't have to do anything, right? The result is the same if Chris does nothing. Mm. Um, Chris holds in Spain because Brandon is not in the Mid-Atlantic Ocean, so there's no guests. So he, Chris already owns Portugal. Chris holds Spain. Chris holds Tunis. 
support it with Tyrolia. The result is 13-13. Tyrrhenian. sorry, yeah. Uh, it's 13-13. There's no difference in the standings and how this game ends. But Chris is poetic. Chris has an understanding of what poetry looks like and what the poetry of the game looks like and what beautiful moves look like. And not only does he go, this game has gone into throwing and Brandon and Jamal have asked me for a dot, I will throw one dot to each of them, right? And he knows it's not going to make any difference, but he goes, yeah, yeah. so not only that, he, he, he does that he does that and he goes, you know what, it's going to throw... He does the, oh man, the convoying the army over from Rome to Tunis is just... It's beauty. It's... It, it, that is... That is the most poetic move I've ever seen in my life. But not only that, the, the addition is he holds Tunis and he forces me to make the right move with Gavin in supporting it in. Because if... Because I think at the end of that year, at the start of that year, you had written down Ionian support Naples to Tyrrhenian Sea like we've been doing for the past few years. And I had to go to Gavin and say, Gavin, I have no idea if this is going through or not, but you need need to to support Rome into Tunis. And you were like, what? And I just went, we just need to support Rome into Tunis. It might not happen. It might be pointless. It's not going to make a difference if it is pointless, but we just have to support that move. Yeah, because at the time, I mean, we we didn't obviously know that Chris was, um, as you said, writing poetry on the board. Mm. And writing poetry in the room, mm. but um, you know he could have. Sorry, but, but from that point of view, we weren't to know that Brandon in Western um, Med was going to go to Spain. Brandon could have just as easily thrown his hold. Could have supported Tunis or supported. Yes, yeah. I mean. So, sorry, I'm talking online again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so having that, um, having that ability. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, he he does it, and he knows that if I don't make my my right oh, move. Oh. Chris knows that if I don't make the right move and get you to support me to Tunis, Brandon wins. Yes. Right? If, that he forces me to earn it. He forces me to... He goes, if Jamal cannot see that, then he doesn't deserve to win. And, and I, 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 that I have so much respect for that set of orders. And I mean, for Chris as a person, but yeah. Forcing that last little bit of diplomacy out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, that, that was a fitting last order. And, and, uh, and yeah, you go. that was the last order that was read. Andrew Goff also has a flair for the poetic and uh, read the orders out in a very specific way and ordered the reading of the Italian orders out in a very specific way, yes. And that was 14-14, you're the world championship, the champions, 2023 tomorrow. Yes, I am. Talk me out through, through that moment. As I said, I don't have the count. I don't know it until no, Andrew says no, it. No, it's yeah. been declared. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's just it's, been said. It's been declared. And Andrew said it. Yeah, Andrew says it and it's been declared and I'm... I Honestly, I, this is two days after and I don't know that it has hit me yet properly. It's still... Processing. I think I'm still processing it. I think I didn't sleep a lot last night. That, that's, but, that, that's, a, that's a talk with somewhere else, perhaps, maybe yeah. in, a, in a few weeks' time. Yeah. But I think... Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I immediately... I mean, my first thought is to... I, I think I walk over to Chris first, and I put my hand on his back, and I thank him. And I just go, 
you know, I, yep, thank you. Like, you know, I, I'm aware of what made that happen. Um, my second is to go to Brandon, um, shake his hand, you know, I can't remember if I hugged him or not, but I wanted to, um, you know, that, that there's, there's a kind of just, you know, yeah, I, 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 I need to be with Brandon in that moment. Um, and then I go to Gavin, uh, I go to Doc, I go to Eddie. I, you know, so it, but I, I guess for me, what, what that says is that, that it's about the other players on the board. It's about the game that's just been played. You know, I'm, I'm honestly not thinking about, oh, yay, look at me, I've won the World Championships, I'm, I'm the best. It's like, you know, I'm going, wow, this, you know. So it's, still, sun, it's, it's su- Sunday, processing the game. Yeah. That's just, that's this intense Proce- experience. It's not the, the, okay, so at that point, it's the game is still so much more important to you than I'm now going to be declared world champion. Yeah, I mean, I, again, that, like... That didn't even enter into the into it at this point. I mean, there's, there's, there's no prize money. There's no, like, it, it doesn't do it. It's bragging rights is, is all the world championship is, right? Um, and I like those bragging rights, but, like, you know, it, 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 it's, it's bigger than that, right? Like, you know, I, I mean, you know, in the context of things, right? Like, you know, Sunday, the 20th of August, 2023, will be one of the best days in my life not because i won the world championship but because it is the pinnacle of my experience in a part of my life that i really care about and i really give a shit about you know um you know it's great that i won i obviously love it but i'm not you know i'm not in it for the glory i'm in it because i care about this game we all choose to be here you know um only two people that I know of have ever been paid to play diplomacy. Um, you know, it's um, you know, we we all we flew to Thailand. We took time off work. We, you know, we left our loved ones back in Australia. We, you know, we we spent time, effort, energy. We put all of our mental focus into this game, this tournament. You know, I've met some of the most amazing people. I hope will become lifelong friends. And you know, th- this tournament has convinced me that diplomacy is a hobby where I have lifelong friends, and that I will need to continue to be a part of for a very long time. And so, it's the whole experience, like the game. Yes, and uh, but again, it, I think I think at that moment it becomes not about the game that's been played, but about the game of diplomacy in general. That what it means to me, what the role it's played in my life. You know, uh, this is a story for another time, but you know, I, I learned this game in high school at the the back two weeks of a semester in history class, and you know, just like you know, the all these, you know, the, my journey as a person, you know, I, I became a good diplomacy player when I decided I wanted to play the way that I wanted to live my life, not the way that I thought would win me the most games, right? And as soon as I started playing how I wanted to be as a person, I suddenly became a good player versus I was horrific back five six years ago when i was playing just to win games um and you know it's like yeah like this game has changed me and this game will continue to change me um i get a feeling that being the world champion will change me i don't know how um and i I hope it'll change me for the better um and you know i yeah i I, so i think that's when that stuff starts to sink in the, the bigger picture stuff the stuff that wow i've this has just happened you know, and, and I don't want to say I've done this because, yes, I am the nominal world champion, but I didn't do it. Everyone did it. Every single person on that board did it. Every single person who plays this game did it. People who are the first time coming across listening to a random podcast about some board game they're interested in do it. Like, you know, it's it means so much more than just, wow, I got 14 dots and Brandon also got 14 dots and wasn't that a you know good, nice, close game. 
it was emotionally charged. Jamal, Gavin, thank you both so much for sitting down with me on this river in this spot and talking to me about your, not just the board, but on your views around life and how the, the game relates to it. Um, is there anything more that either of you would like to add to this at this stage? Gavin? Um, I th w Jamal and I, whilst we've been here, have had obviously some conversations. And I think one thing I particularly learned from Jamal, and I, I kind of, when he, when he talked about it, I went, yes, that's right. That's the way to play the game, from my perspective at least. We were talking about, and I think you've actually been involved in totally separate conversations. You know, when you think about a Venn diagram, in the world of sorry, in the world of diplomacy, you have a you know three-circle Venn diagram, where you, I think the view would be that you would have you know an equal balance across, you know, your, your, your diplomacy or your negotiation skills around your strategy and around your tactics, and that the ideal player has this, they sit in that middle of the diagram. But I think the better way of viewing it, and I don't want to kind of use your <laughs> words, but I'm going to paraphrase part of the uh, something uh, you've learned this, this, from the something I've learned from this, the school of Jamal is it's it's not a Venn diagram. It's a, it's a pyramid, and it's a three tiered pyramid, and your diplomacy negotiations is that base foundation. You can't successfully consistently I think do well in the game without getting that right first and then you use that to build up your approach towards the strategy because if you don't get that right and then you get to the very tip of that pyramid and it's the tactics what do you write down at the right time to get the outcome when those three come together in that particular way you have a beautiful game Jamal what is the game called? Diplomacy. Gavin, what's the game called? It's Diplomacy. That's the game. Gentlemen, thank you so much again. Okay. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you, Jamal. I really got a lot out of that interview, and I hope that our listeners did too. Um... Normally at this stage, Gavin and I will um, hold court and talk about what we felt about the interview. Um, I can't... It, 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 that's not going to happen in this well, not segment. Yeah. Um, we're probably not going to talk about the interview specifically and let it stand for itself, but a thing that did arise during the interview was uh, Jamal spoke about wanting to get into contact with uh, the person who introduced him to the game of diplomacy. Uh, uh, so, so following the interview he did and so Andrew very graciously agreed to Jamal um, on the phone that he was okay with it being recorded. So um, without further ado we're just going to jump to, to that. that conversation. So we'll see you guys on the other side of that one as well.
Oh, hello. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Great to hear from you. Yeah, long, uh, long time no see. Where are you doing it? <laughs> so uh, I'm currently in Thailand. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, I, I guess I wanted to call you with some news. I, um, so I don't know if you remember, it was maybe 2007 or so um, at the end of one semester of history class, you taught us all how to play, how to play diplomacy? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so we recently had a big event in Thailand and I've just become the diplomacy world champion. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that is great news. How many games did you have to play to, to get there? So there were four rounds. So it was, a, it was a tournament of about, it was a small world championship this year. There was about th only about 30 people or so. Um, but yeah, there were 30 yeah. of the best from the world. They all came in as just amazing players. We had four rounds. Uh, you took your top three scores and dropped around and then had a final board. Um, so time-limited time games um, till 1907, most of them, and then the final board was till 1910. Um, and yeah, we um, we played played around the top board, and it finished on a fourteen fourteen tie. And yeah, I went on count back, and it was epic. What what country did you have? Uh, I picked Austria. <laughs> and you won. That is a sensational effort. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of layers to how you think of it in a tournament like this. And so yeah, no, I. I yeah. picked Austria so that the person behind me would pick Turkey, and the person behind them would pick oh. Germany against some of the better players. And it was yeah. That is a that is a whole nother level. Yeah, I did. Do you still play? Well, I I, I don't. But the the uh, you'll be glad to know that the diplomacy club, which which you were the founder of, is still going. Um, amazing. I, I I saw that they were doing some stuff pre-COVID. I, I didn't know if they'd come back after that. Yeah, no, like they they're uh, very keen, and we just had our. I'm not sure if we had diplomacy day uh, back in your day, but we just had that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, where they spent the whole day playing. Amazing! That, that's awesome. How, how many how many kids have we got in it this these days? Oh, it, it was there was about twenty there on the day, but there's more who drop in uh, sort of regularly. I, I don't get involved in too much. I let, uh, let, let leave them to their devices. But they, they've got really into things like designing boards, you know, for alternate games and stuff like that. Yeah, amazing! That, that that's awesome. Oh, that, that's that's. Oh, that's really exciting. That's really exciting to know. I'm, um, I'm glad it's taken off. I'm glad you, you've stayed involved. Yeah, I um, I, I did it for um, yeah, I, 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 I did it for a little bit. Then I dropped it for a bit, and then um, yeah, it was yeah. just kind of, I don't know. I, I picked it back up again, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I was very bad for for many years there, but I, I got a lot better after a few shifts. But um, I don't know. I, I, I just really appreciated kind of you introducing me to it, and I, I think it was a great. Um, it was a great kind of way of, you know, it was a great teaching tool, obviously, and that, and that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just thought you'd appreciate, you'd appreciate knowing and, and appreciate I, kind of the, the influence I, you've had and as to, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here doing this, winning this, if you, if you don't do that, you know? Oh, well, look, look, thank you. Thank you for that. I do appreciate that. It's, it's good to know that some, some, some things you do, you know, have, have an impact. Is, is there any, like, is there a website about this or some information? Because I'd love to pass it on to, to the club. They'd be really excited to know about it. So for sure. Um, so there's actually a live broadcast of the whole event. Um, okay. So um, the Diplomacy Broadcast Network is a YouTube channel that have been live casting, um, live casting everything else. Uh, they, they, they 
they've got all the tournaments online, the moves online, and they're commentating the whole thing. Um, right. I think, um, yeah, the, the website for the World Diplomacy Championships in Bangkok this year wasn't so great, so probably DBN's your best bet. Um, and then there's a whole lot of other stuff. And, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's also a um, there's also a podcast that um, that that I've been chatting with a few guys from from Queensland called Diplomacy Games. They they record it. Actually, I'll, I I was going to say I, I didn't want to ruin the surprise, but I, I can ruin it now. Um, so we, we we have had a recorder next to the next to the phone mic for this conversation, and I wanted to check in with you if you were comfortable with this conversation potentially going on that podcast. And if you weren't, we'll just delete it, and that's totally fine. But I, I thought I wanted to to check in with you before we actually published anything. But yeah. yeah. No, that that that's that's fine by me. Thanks, thanks, thanks for asking, Jamal. No, I'm, I'm, uh, that's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So no. So there's a whole lot of stuff. And look, I, I was I was going to say too. You know, I, I actually um, I live in Canberra now, um, but I come down to Melbourne about once a month or so. And you know, if if there is ever if you do ever want me to drop in and say hi to the diplomacy club or anything like that, I'd be more than happy to. You know, we got a a small hobby in Melbourne that we're trying to grow. So it's always good to have more people there. But also, you know. I don't know. I, I I know when I was when I was running that diplomacy club, if a if a guy rocked up with the world championship belt, that would be quite something. So you know, I, I, look, that that would be really good actually, and um, we you know we might get some photos and, and put in the newsletter and things like that as well. That would that, they'd get they'd get a real buzz out of that. That sounds great. Yeah, I'll um I'll I'll, I'll work out when I'm coming down to Melbourne next, and I'll, I'll let you know we can tee something up. But yeah. Yeah, just yeah, just give me just give me a call next time. Yeah, um, you're, you're in town. Yeah, I um I I I've, I have just been up past a question from um from one of the podcast hosts that they that they wanted to ask you as kind of the teacher that introduced me to it. Um, they were wanting yeah. to see if like you know other than you know teaching the nature of like alliance systems in World War One were like like why did you teach students diplomacy? What what was it about that? And like what what were you trying to develop in the students when when you were doing it? It was initially from a historical perspective rather than the game just going through the causes of World War One and just sort of getting making it making it a little bit more real for the students yeah. uh, rather than just sort of talking about it from a textbook but once the, the club got going um, one of the things about that is is about this idea of, of having to work you know collaboratively up to a point but also being strategic is that sort of good mix of that you can't win it without working with other people but you can't win it either without knowing when the right point is to to do something else so the strategy is really good yeah no for sure and and look and it's interesting there's a you know i, I if you go back and watch the broadcast they'll you'll see this but there's a the final board plays out in a really interesting way where it almost comes down to that kind of that very principles based decision as to who wins it in the end we, we we get to a really tense kind of couple of years before the end and one of the players decides that they're going to start throwing the game to another player um, and then in response, one of the players in my alliance decides they're going to essentially throw centers to me to try and punish that decision. And yeah, so that there's, there's a really interesting layer to that where I think some of the principles that you were teaching and some of the kind of that, that, that collaborative approach and that that being the way to play and that being the way to, to actually be successful, I think it, it maps across really well. Yeah, well, what, what, what I often find with the, the sort of kids and play before is that they 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 like this idea of backstabbing but they do it too early like they see the first opportunity and they go for it and that's that's not how you you get there but you've got to build an alliance and get, get to the the correct point before you you know got to resist temptation basically for sure yeah um yeah well i mean 
thank you so much. I, I, I did just want to, you know, it, it was great to be able to capture this for the podcast, but also I just, I did genuinely want to thank you, you know, because yeah, you know, this is, this has weirdly had a huge influence in my life. It's a, you know, it, it, it's a board game, it's whatever else, but also, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think I've re- honestly had a few kind of personal things click over the past week and a few kind of things that I've been working through in life more generally kind of click. And I, I think there's a, there's a, there's an almost a culmination coming together of lots of parts of my life into something like this. And it's really centered around, a, you know, a, a, a game that, that you taught me how to play at the end of a semester instead of watching a documentary. So, you know, it was great. Exactly. Exactly right. On, on little things like that, lots of big things turn. That's great. Yeah. And look, I'll, I'll, I'll have your email address now, so I'll, I'll shoot you through the links to, um, to the to the broadcast and i think there's a few other little things it can it can send through to you as well if you're if you're interested in the tournament and how it went and everything yeah i'll, I'll pass it on to the boys they'll be really excited the the, the the guy who's in charge of this this year is really dedicated he's one of the best uh, organizers i've had he's really really keen and he's very much about teaching you know, new people how to play it yeah no that that sounds amazing and look you know i'm as I now have a moral obligation to the hobby to uh, to do as much as I can to help support the growth. So, um, you know, we we had three Australians on the world top board, um, and you know, I, I reckon I reckon we're, we're we're a good chance in a few years to get a whole top board of Australians coming on. I reckon we'll, we'll give it a shot. Where where else are the the strengths uh, for diplomacy? Who else is big into it? Um, this, it's mostly the US. Uh, so the, the 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 people in the US are the kind of the main cohort of players in the world they're the ones that get you know 50 100 person tournaments pretty regularly um the europeans are pretty big on it too so um not so much the british but the french and the italians so um i have to travel to milan next year to defend the to defend my title at the world championship there um so yeah so there's a kind of there's a european hobby and a u.s hobby are the the main ones at this point oh well good, good luck with that good luck with that in milan we'll look forward to seeing how it goes Thanks. And, and, and thanks so much for being so open to chatting and, and everything else. And, and thank you for teaching me how to play diplomacy. Oh, absolute pleasure. I, I didn't think uh, it would have had such a great effect at the time, but I'm glad, glad it has. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, see you, Jamal. See ya. So, <clears throat> so, after finishing that conversation, what's your thoughts? <sighs> I'm... I'm really glad I made that call, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. He's. Um, I, I'm glad that the club's still going. I'm, I'm glad that they're still happening. I, I, I mean, I, I found that's the, incredible. I founded the club when it, when we first started it, and you know, I knew they were keeping going, whatever else. But yeah, they've got more players than I than I had back in the day. Um, and yeah, you give kids a kids a chance to take a day off school to play diplomacy, they'll take it. So you know, they'll do it. Um, but yeah, I. That's so good. Um, I mean, you know, Andrew's very, um, he's a cool cucumber. I, I you know, I'd, I'd love to kind of be a fly on the wall with him in his office right now and see what he's feeling and <laughs> and what he's thinking, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, the guy was a huge influence on me. You know, we have a history teacher that, that comes in with that idea and comes in to do that and, you know, yeah, it's, um, I mean, what I said was true. I, I, I'm not here. I'm not doing this. I'm not playing diplomacy at all. If not for him, that didn't, you know, but I was back in the day when there wasn't an online thing to discover. And you know, by the time the online hobby started up, I was you know in my mid twenties and probably wouldn't have gone and found it. So you know, 
Where, where in where in Melbourne is, was the school? Uh, so it was um, Melbourne High. Um, okay. So it was a kind of an academic yep, entry. Yep. So an all boys school, but a public school that took kids from all over um, and kind of gave you a private school level education amongst a cohort of kids that were all very very smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a kind of. I was just thinking, um, for for example, I, I think from what we've talked about before, when it comes to the next tournament in Melbourne, um, maybe we get a vote coming through. So, like, if the if the next tournament in Melbourne was a more of a public tournament rather than a house-based one, um, it would be amazing. I would have thought, particularly if you dig an opportunity to visit the school, for it to be staged at a time that the kids could come. So actually, you could see and you could actually maybe get a few of the players from the school to come along and encourage that next generation to get involved at that I, level. I honestly think if... if I mean, I, I actually think if we play our cards right, we could even host a tournament at the school, right? Oh, <laughs> that would be incredible. It's, it's in the centre of Melbourne. It's actually pretty easy to get to. So it's... Um, yes. It wouldn't be a bad spot to host a tournament. They've got, you know, it's a school. They have a lot of space. Um, yeah. The only thing is, like, I think, for example, with Melbourne Open being in a, a cafe or anything like that, or a restaurant, you could kind of get food or you yeah, could get some the, drinks. The, the, so that would be the only problem. There are, there are layers you'd have to work through, but, you know... Um, but no, I, I agree. I think, um, I mean, you know, when I go tell Andrew Goff there are 20 kids playing diplomacy Who in one school, <laughs> you know, I reckon there's a, yeah. Yeah. There's a vein, to, vein of talent to tap into there. Because if you can work it around the academic calendar and everything, that would be perfect. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, that was that was really good, Jamal. Thank you very much for, you know, actually organising that interview and That's sort right. of, um, sharing it with us and that, particularly also to... To your teacher Andrew. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad I. Glad I made the call. Sweet. Thanks. Cheers. Well, cheers. What a game. And what, what a result. A story. Yes. <laughs> what the 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 difference between the. Um, the human element becomes apparent. Mm. Let's put it that way. It is a game for the ages. Uh, it's a game that uh, I think will probably show uh, that there's maybe a moving paradigm in uh, the face-to-face world, maybe. Um, well, when you look, consider I, I, that look, Jamal's gameplay is not too different to Dan Lester's, who won last year. Yes. Um, Lester, sorry. And I, I had the distinction. I had the, I had the opportunity to play both of those players. Yeah. And Dan was a, 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 an amazingly fun uh, player to play with. He stabbed me um, very beautifully. In a, in, in, you know, and I didn't see it coming. Uh, I put up a, a, a what I considered to be a um, a worthy defence in, in that game um, but let's just say the uh, I'm not a tournament uh, I haven't been to enough tournaments to really be speaking with authority in the matter but a lot of the people who are at the tournament were and there was a lot of um, post mortem around um, around that. And I've, I have to say, over the last three days now, um, we've since the tournament, we've come out to Kanchanaburi, 
I think I've managed to get a convers maybe two or three conversations in sideways uh, that weren't around the game of diplomacy <laughs> uh, uh, with you, Gavin, and, uh, and, Jamal, and, and yeah. with Jamal. So um, there's, it's definitely uh, it's definitely still high on on their minds. I am sure, and I'm sure that it will be for 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 many days, if not weeks, if not months to come. Yep, indeed. And your take, Gavin? What are your final like? What are your what are your I think thoughts? I think I think you're like, right around. There's likely a changing paradigm in the way that the game is played at a top level. Um, as we talked about in the interview, I think that whole nature of where those aspects of diplomacy or negotiations, strategy and tactics come together, I think I think you just got to look at the success levels of those players who put the focus more on the, the diplomacy and the negotiating over the tactics. And there's nothing wrong with tactics. You need tactics at the right time. And you actually need tactics pretty much for every single every single move. Without a doubt. With every, without a doubt. But I think an overemphasis on tactics, which then probably um, stimulates a more, uh, I won't say a stabbing style, but like a, a, a Probably a dot grabbing style would be the better way of doing it. And then going, okay, well, that's all happened, but hey, it's just a game of diplomacy, let's move on. Um, I think that you can get away with that for a little while, but I don't know if it's a long term winning strategy. I don't know if you can kind of con- play, I don't know whether the consistent levels of winning is the same, but I think, I don't know. One, one of the conversations that's come up again and again over the last three days that I've been having with Jamal. Um, has been around an article that he's been asked to write for the diplomacy briefing, diplomacy briefing um, and his thoughts on um, and his thoughts on that. And I'm I'm really looking forward to having a read of that article. I think um, I th- think hearing Jamal's thoughts in or reading Jamal's thoughts in writing will be one worth meditating on. Um, I think the human element of the story of this competition has been one that you and I, Gavin, have been speaking about also. It's come up a number of times. Mm. So um, you had in your mind a, a, like a Venn diagram of sorts. Yeah, before this around tournament, yeah. Yeah, so there's the tactics, there's the strategy, and then there's the human element, and where does the ideal mix of all of those kind of sit? But you've since kind of adjusted some of that. Yeah, and we talked about that in the interview. So it's it's kind of like more a a Maslow's hierarchy, isn't it? You know, you you need to get your diplomacy right and straight, and build that as your foundation. Right. And you can't maybe 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 not cards right wrong word, but for consistent play, and again looking at the way that World Diplomacy Championships have been decided, it tends to be those players that put their emphasis first and foremost and build on the foundation of diplomacy and negotiating, because that's what the game's called, diplomacy, um, and then build on that the broader strategy, and right. then build on that the actual tactics of each individual turn. Um, 
I know, and, and look, it hasn't probably been, you know, I know when, when Jamal uh, was presented with his championship trophy and also the belt from Dan, which I thought was a lovely moment. A lovely moment. Um, and, and I think Jamal's quite keen to, to do the same at some point of time, although I think for the next 12 months he'll make the belt his in his own special way. Um, one thing Jamal said in his um, speech when he got presented with the trophy was that he came into this um, at a certain level of, you know, skill, experience, whatever you want to call it. And he felt that both during the qualifying rounds and obviously the top board as well, he's, he feels his gameplay has well and truly stepped up 20-30% because of the quality of the players here. I felt that happening on the board. Yeah. Even my first board I played, um, Steve Litton, Dan Lester, they, the way they played stepped up my game for the next game. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that was my second game. Um, but even my, my, my first game with um, playing against Brandon Fogel, who was Italy, and Tristan Lee as Russia was playing Turkey, and um, Peter McNamara as Austria. Look, the, the amount of things that I learned on that game alone just stepped up my game for the second. And by the time I got the third, after playing with all of those um, players, the, the, just the, what I felt was the, uh, very, the, 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 the level of self-learning just by playing with these people mm. just brought my game up a notch, oh, which yeah. ended up giving me the best rusher. That, that, that exactly, was, uh, that, exactly. That's yeah. what happened. Um, now, which reminds me, because uh, before uh, that game day, um, before board game three, uh, you and I, Gavin, uh, went to get a, a foot massage. Mm. Um, and what do you know? Jamal uh, popped into the, the, the shop whilst we were yeah, recording. Past, happened to look in that direction and went, oh, hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whilst we were actually recording just a general thoughts um, meandering ideas on how the tournament was going at the halfway mark yeah. um, and he jumped on and very graciously gave us his thoughts on um, how he thought things the, were going things at the, going at the halfway thought yep. point during the, the tournament so um, we thought for our very loyal Patreon viewers um, and listeners, uh, <laughs> listeners uh, <laughs> Patreon listeners don't um, worry don't worry I had a number of people during the tournament who kind of once they worked out who we were said oh I watch your podcast all the time. I watch your podcast, yeah. <laughs> it's, not like, um, it's not on YouTube, but it doesn't um, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, for our very loyal uh, Patreon listeners, um, you're, you're more than welcome to jump on to the Patreon episode that's going to accompany this. Well, it'll come out after it'll this come one, probably about a week this. or whatever after this one. So, um, and uh, have a listen to that. And if you're not a Patreon uh, listener... Um, we appreciate that you listen to our content. Um, please consider uh, jumping on, and um, it's a it's so just to two dollars. Yeah, look, it's you know, so two, two bucks is nice. If you want to throw a little bit more into the tip jar, that'd be great. 
Um, it just helps us with um, you know investing in things like the current recorder. Um, you know, we're looking at getting upgrading with our future interviews. Obviously, you know, something like a Zoom account or Some something. Sort of streaming, you know, and service, we've got yep. we've got other things as well. We've got so, you know, server costs and blah blah blah. blah. So if you're but, interested in um, contributing us yeah, in, in so, that way, we we greatly appreciate. Yeah, it. just hop on over to Patreon.com/slash/DiplomacyGames, uh, and there is bucket loads of other interviews and content and, content. and just other ramblings there as well. Correct. Um, but what I was saying though, Jamal mentioned that the quality of the players oh. and how his gameplay worked. I said to you, Ken, because for for, for the face to face listeners, both both Ken and I got into the game through face to face. I think we did the usual arc of a diplomacy player, which is you get introduced to it usually, you know, in your teenage or your twenties. Yes. And then. You know, life happens, and sometimes you then don't get back into it for you get 10, extended 15, gap. 20 yep. years. Yes, yes. And we ended up getting back into it through the online game, and it took us about three, three and a half years until we started playing face-to-face again. So, our... our and look, we play online all the time over at V Diplomacy. And um, I said to you, I think it was the first... Was it the first night we were here? So I went to bed, okay? So I went to bed here. Right. And my uh, and I hopped online. This was just after, obviously, I think it must have been the next day. So it would have been Monday. Yes. Because the, so the tournament finished on Sunday. And I brought up my phone to using the Wi-Fi to go check my games over at VDIP. And when I was going through my boards that I was playing, obviously it's not the classic boards, the variant based, variant based variant based stuff website yep but it doesn't matter because the principles of the classic game are Remain there true. in variants you know what i yes. mean so you know spoiler alert if you ever kind of you know if you love the game of diplomacy and you just want to try something different but you know follow the same principles just go to v diplomacy play some variants but i said i said to you at the time because i came I, I, my brain couldn't stop thinking because i was in my room looking at my my um my maps and because of actual the experience of being at a wdc and playing with a caliber of players and really challenging myself it just extended my gameplay so jamal says he improved by 20 30 percent i reckon i improved by 40 percent easy in the online space yeah yep. because yep. of what happened and i was going through my boards and literally it was kind of like the, the, the veil had been removed. I was seeing moves that previously I would go, ah, oh, that's just, that's not going to work. But I'd go, no, I can see exactly how that's going to work, not just tactically, but thinking Putting yourself two, into three the shoes. turns ahead yeah, and, yeah. of what the broader strategy is. Yeah. Looking beyond my little sphere to the broader aspect of the board. Ch- you know, really changing up my communicative style in my messaging through to players. Right. So just the way that things are phrased and discussed and just just the way that you engage with players and, and the frequency of engagement, it just like it it opened my eyes. It was I think I said to you at the time, it was like that matrix moment where you particularly you take the red pill or the blue pill and you just your view of the game changes. So my my, my advice particularly for online players and um, you know, Bradley, who we met there, was a, a, a um, an English player. He's predominantly online. This, I think, was his first real big face-to-face thing of any real 
thing. And he was exactly the same. Like this experience of going from online to face to face with this caliber of player, it was just amazing. So if you ever get the opportunity for WDC to be in your backyard or even not in your backyard, I mean, it's not like, well, I suppose a nine hour flight from Australia is considered a backyard in Australia. Um, look, just take it, honestly, take it. It is just going to make you so much of a better player. And honestly, as well, the people, we met so many great, great people. Amazing people. Um, not just not just great diplomacy player. They were just great, genuine people. Great people. I've, I've met so many people that I've just like, mate. I can I can be with friends with you for life. No problems at all because there's a connection made around the game, but they're just good, solid people as well. Now, who was it that we interviewed, who said? You could trust a diplomacy player with your home loan. <laughs> Making a home loan payment. Yeah, but you <laughs> wouldn't trust them past a bar of soap on the board or some words to that effect. I, um, I, I remember the, that particular oh, aspect of um, a quote. Um, we have to go look back at some of our past interviews and work that one. This is the problem after 120 episodes. You kind of, you, you yeah. tend to kind of, I, and I said the same thing to you today when we were talking um up at uh, what was the the, the waterfalls, Ergon, Erlon, Erlon Falls. About you, you had a particular map idea, which then we went a lot further on map ideas. But that's for that's a conversation that's for another, for another day. Another day, yeah. Around, um, you know, how to actually better design maps, and we talked about someone who can actually do good map design. It's like after this many years of doing this and this many podcasts, sometimes it's a little bit hard just to automatically just remember who you spoke with. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway. So, so we apologise for the person who did say that and we will give you due credit on our next episode for sure. Yes, I um, think I know who it was. Was it... Yeah, I think I think, I think it might have been Joran we spoke to about when he with his diplomacy map. Joran. Or Joran. Joran. Yeah, yeah, Joran. yeah. Who kind of um, worked on all those diplomacy maps um, for one of the, the online apps oh, for yeah, diplomacy. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, it was, it was, it was. Um, look, and I can I just say, um, before we move on, that playing variants is not, I don't think it's a step down in any way from the, from the board. I think what variants do and can offer that the regular board doesn't is a blank slate. No yeah. one's, no one who plays variants would say that there is established um, understandable openings with names yeah, for any yeah, variant. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, but 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 moving on. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, the the nature of holding this in Thailand, Gavin, has has the location in your mind. Um, what 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 benefits has Thailand brought to um, to to this tournament? Oh. Compared to other tournaments you played in the past. Okay, so I think, well, okay. When you say compared to other tournaments, the only other tournaments I've played have been oh, down in Melbourne. Melbourne, right, right, yeah, yeah. So um, you're exposed yeah. to not just Australian players or whatever. You know, obviously, if you're American or whatever like that, you're exposed to players from all around the world, which is great because you're also exposed to totally different playing styles. Which yeah, we'll talk there a was a bit lot about. about uh, there was a lot of talk amongst players at post mortems after the games um, mm-hmm. into the night around metas and different metas from different countries okay. um, which was a fascinating uh, topic and I don't really think that this is the right forum to be talking about it at this stage but it's um, it's one that I'm really hoping 
Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's to, for us to dig into or if it's for maybe the written articles based on the, on, mm-hmm. on, the, on, on the game of diplomacy to really delve into it. Um, yeah. But it, it was a fascinating discussion to be had all around. And of course, we're playing with, you know, the world's cream, yeah. right? Obviously, um, there's a lot of players who are also at that caliber who weren't able to make it out to um, the other side of the yeah. world yeah. for various reasons. Yeah. Um, so um, definitely at the down the track looking forward to playing with them whether that's in Europe or if that's in North America I'm sure that there's or South America for that I don't know if there's much of a scene but um, I, I, I think I but, saw ages ago there was once was a scene in Argentina I don't know if it's still there I, I don't know um, but, but 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 all that beside um, the, the, the but the players that did come out were top caliber and yeah. it, was, it was it was amazing conversation to be had on so many levels that it's really hard to do it justice uh, just how um, just how influencing the discussions around the boards post-mortems with people were and that were had after each round Mm -hmm. yeah it it, it really was beneficial because you're not not only because that's the other thing not only are you learning about the game inside the as you're playing the game, which well, absolutely were, um, but you're also learning about the game from the perspective of others after the game, because you're sitting and talking and getting to know and finding those others who are of like mind to you, who also have this passion mm-hmm. that you have, yep. and so. There, there's a um, there's there's a beauty to that that is um, yeah and 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 those talks talks around matters I think it's a different forum for sure I think it'd be more appropriate for that discussion I, I don't know guys let us know but um, what do you think Gavin uh, just about that aspect or just broader because I think you originally were asking about the nature of holding it here and what that actually meant yeah, okay. Or well, you can take the conversation in a different direction if you like. Um, <laughs> That's where you started it. I did, yeah. I don't know how we ended up there. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> uh, obviously, take the direction any Take the conversation any Well, I think you already established the fact that the probably. I mean, I, I agree. The, the interesting thing around the the uh, the meta aspect of uh, where the tournament goes and this the broader aspect is is a is a meta conversation. We can have, probably have that another day. And. I, I guess, honestly, I'm, I'm flipping back now to, to, to the interview, um, but I'm almost 100% certain that I'm going to be checking out a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. You know, that is uh, uh, the next podcast that I'm going to be listening to, whether I'm sure it's on Stitches, iTunes... Um, you know, all the usual yep. places you find podcasts. I, I asked Jamal, what's the best episode to start at, mm. just to kind of get you into it? And he kind of talked about the uh, the episode he recommended, which was recorded back in November 2022. It's called What is Religion? Part 3, The Noodly Appendage. Okay, The Noodly <laughs> Appendage. Let's which is just like there. such a hook you go, what is that about? <laughs> 
and 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 speaking of start here episodes, um, we've we've had for a, na- a little while now. Three and a half years. <laughs> Three and a half years. Okay, we've we've had now quite some time uh, a start here, um, uh, but we'll we'll update also that be levels. updating that shortly. Well, by the, yeah, at the same time as this. So, yeah. um, if anyone is actually interested in listening to any more of our content. Um, please have a look for the start here uh, episode and start there and then it's um, and, and go from there yeah because I think in that one um, particularly if you're if you if you really just love face-to-face and face-to-face is your thing I think in that one we will we will talk about where we really start talking about face-to-face rather than just online but look the thing is right. you can usually tell from the actual titles of, of the episodes what, what whether the, they're the, going to be yeah. online focused yep. or face-to-face yep. and sometimes there's a bit of a mashup but the, 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 the important thing is that, um, you know, people, as they move through life, um, have different perspectives and things change. And look, we're, we're now an incredibly long-running podcast. Seven um, years. So, um, yeah, it's probably about time we update ourselves. And I'm sure, you know, our long-time listeners are going, Kana, Kana, what? Ah, doing their head and they're going, Andy, yeah. <laughs> You know, um, but you know it. You know the cat is out of the bag, folks, and so we need to um, acknowledge that position and um, move on because we, both of us, I want to continue to bring you guys content that we think is um, worth a listen to. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think that's probably about that's a bit of a wrap, I reckon. Hmm. Just wind it up and don't forget move to on. check out that Patreon episode if you're um, if you're if, if you're at all interested. Two on, bucks, what a bargain! There's probably I think literally as I said, sixty episodes of that. So it's, okay, so again, one hundred and twenty episodes, of, of variable quality. Yeah, and, yep. and if if you're one of the players who went to WDC and this is the first time you've actually come to our podcast, again, one hundred and twenty episodes. There is literally you could kind of sit down right now and non-stop listening to to me and Ken ramble on. And and, and, and you'd, you'd, yeah. you'd, 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 well, you'd probably fall asleep because you'd be so tired of it, but probably go for about 48 hours, I think. And, and, and those of you who um, have, were, were actually at the tournament in Bangkok, that's 40 baht, so. Oh, mate. Bargain. 40 baht? That kind of only gets you half a beer. <laughs> sure does. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Guys. Cheers.